Hey Jeff, uh, real quick question. Have you seen that, uh, fans online like to troll me on social media about our Geico sponsorship? Of course I see it online. They troll you about everything. They troll me about everything, but that's all fun and dandy. At least it's not fiction. It's nonfiction. That's exactly right. It's nonfiction. We're saving people money over at Geico.com. Quick question. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know, what's easy trolling Conrad on social media. No bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or your renters insurance along with your auto policy. And that's a good thing because you already have so much to do around your house. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you can save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Jeff, uh, Geico saving people money. Why are they trolling me? Jeff, they're being mean to me. I'm getting that Jeff Jarrett treatment. Oh, lighten up Conrad. It's all in good fun. Just like we have a lot of fun on my world. Go to Geico.com right now. Save some money, bundle it together. You'll be glad you did. Can you believe August is already here? It feels like 2021 is just slipping through our fingers. Don't let a bunch of cash slip through your fingers. Keep more of your own money at SaveWithConrad.com. We're routinely helping our podcast listeners just like you all across the nation save tens of thousands of dollars. If you can hear my voice and you're in a 30-year loan or you have credit card debt or a second mortgage, it's not a matter of if we can save you money. It really is a matter of how much. Just ask Tyrus in Wyoming, Michigan. He left us a 4.67 review and he had this to say, Jimmy made things easy. Being able to text was a lifesaver. Such an easy experience. How about this five-star review from Smyrna, Delaware, David and Diane from Conrad's team were outstanding. I found out in January that my landlord wanted out of the rental business, but I love my house as a fan of Conrad's podcast. I decided to give first family a call. I never wanted to be a homeowner before and didn't even know it was a possibility. David dealt with all the details and despite a number of complications, he and Diane kept going through the options until we made it work. We closed this month and I couldn't be happier with first family. Here's another five-star review. This one comes to us from Daniel Frank. You, he says, Conrad and his team always answered my questions and made me buying my first home. Truly an unforgettable experience. How about Jared over in East Canton, Ohio? He left us a five-star review at SaveWithConrad.com, And he had this to say, I contacted Derek last year. And after looking at my information, we decided to work on my credit a bit and try again in a few months. Derek gave me a few tips that increased my score to give me the best rate possible. We were able to knock nearly $200 off of my monthly payment and two months without a payment definitely made for a better summer vacation for both me and my family. I'd recommend first family mortgage to anyone looking to refinance. Listen, no matter what your situation is, first family mortgage can help. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't help you save some money, we won't waste your time, but we also won't say no. We'll say not yet, but here's how. Go check out our reviews. See for yourself what people are saying about SaveWithConrad.com at ConradReviews.com. And then find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. And hey, if you'd like to give us a call, we'll even pay for the call. It's toll free at 888-425-0105. Or shoot me an email at Conrad at SaveWithConrad.com. And now let's get to the show. 
August is here and there's no better time to be a part of adfreeshows.com than right now. It's all the content at your fingertips early and ad-free. And it's not just the incredible podcast you already subscribe to. No, that's just the beginning. We have hours of weekly bonus content, live interactive events, happy hours, and even now, for the first time ever, we are in the thick of planning our very first in-person Top Guy experience for our premier members. Labor Day weekend in Chicago, Illinois, the same weekend as AEW All Out. Yes, Jeff Jarrett, Tony Schiavone, Jim Ross, Eric Bischoff, and friends. Yes, I said friends. We'll be joining our top guys and gals for a weekend event they will never forget. So sign up today over at adfreeshows.com and commit to being a part of the next one because this isn't the last. Oh no, the party is just getting started. So take the plunge. I guarantee there is a tier that is right for you right now over at adfreeshows.com. There's a new sports drama series on stars and it's set in the world of indie wrestling heels follows a family owned wrestling promotion as two brothers war over control of the league and their late father's legacy. Ace and Jack Spade's rivalry, both in and out of the ring is the main event brother versus brother hero versus heel. Even CM Punk is stepping back onto the mat for a cameo. Alexander Ludwig plays a spade, the beloved hero, young hotshot, and the star of the Duffy Wrestling League. Outside the ring, A struggles to reconcile his idol status with his habit for self-destruction. Stephen Amell plays his brother and league heel, Jack Spade. This hardworking proprietor, husband and father, is trying to breathe new life into the DWL. Heels is available to watch now on Stars and the Stars app. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to my world. And of course, we couldn't do it without the Hall of Famer himself, your friend and mine, good old Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff, how are you, man? Conrad, what's going on, my friend? We have had a busy week. I've seen a lot of you. Yep. Uh, well, well, I wasn't naked. You said that like I was naked. I wasn't naked. <laughs> well, I'll say this. Um, you fed me like a king, a, a naked king. But no, uh, man, it's been a been a good week. Um, we chatted offline about this topic we got coming up. Looking forward to this. I got a sneak peek at some of the questions that will come at the end. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, the research team is spot on. So um, in, in a lot of ways, we're going to go back and reminisce and I can't say because there's always peaks, but uh, 1998 was a good year uh, for for wrestling fans as well as talent, as well as promoters. Um, it was uh, it was red hot that year, so I don't want to get too far ahead. But uh, we've had a good week, haven't we? I think it could be the peak 1998. I mean, you know, the NWO was still hot, Nitro was still hot. Goldberg is on his tear in 1998. You know, you guys are setting some pay-per-view records on the WCW side of things with, uh, you know, uh, Carl Malone and Dennis Rodman. And then on the WWE side of things, the Austin era has really kicked into high gear on the heels of WrestleMania 14. And yeah, I think it's fair to say that wrestling is probably hotter than ever, not just one company, but everybody, I mean, ECW is doing well on pay-per-view and yeah, it feels like this might be 
the peak. Almost like a different, yeah, it, obviously it was a different era, but it, it feels, you know, this is pre-social media, pre-independent wrestling. Uh, almost in those days, I don't want to go too far back, but uh, outlaw wrestling was still a term um, that was somewhat, somewhat used, but certainly independent wasn't like it is today. And it was, yeah, just a, a whole different world back then. Um, the monthly pay-per-views had really hit their stride. I'll say that 96, 97, 98 from the in your house days to the, okay, we're going to identify, you know, um, single monthly pay-per-views on both companies. So all yeah. three, I mean, I know you glossed over ECW, but just to yeah, put, yeah, put right. this in a context, like Goldberg beat Hulk Hogan for the world title on nitro at the Georgia dome and broke all kinds of records the prior month. Later in that same month, we would see a WCW pay-per-view. I mean, a, a new benchmark for Dennis Rodman and Carl Malone in that mixed tag. And then at the very beginning of this month here in August of 1998, ECW had probably arguably their best pay-per-view ever. The heat wave 98 show that people still talk about. And here at the end of the month, we've got stone cold, Steve Austin. And the undertaker in the main event at Madison square garden, and they've licensed ACDC's highway to hell. This is about as big as it gets. And you know, just, you put all of that into context and it feels like the entire industry is just hitting on all cylinders. God, when you just, uh, and I don't definitely want to gloss over this because the relevancy and the pop culture, I mean, the last dance was built around the Chicago bulls. Yeah. And, and Dennis Rodman. And so that is, uh, he, he wasn't Mike Tyson and Mike Tyson came from the fighting world, but, 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 uh, and that's the sporting world, but on the entertainment side, I'll say the sports entertainment side, could you define a bigger personality than a Dennis Rodman? No. And Carl Malone, maybe the greatest power forward, certainly a, a top 10 player of all time. And then, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I don't think people, a lot of people listening today completely connect the dots on Jay Leno, but so it's a Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel, or I don't even know if I'm going to do it justice, but to have Jay Leno and kudos to our, uh, uh, our, our podcast partner, EB, Eric Bischoff, but Jay Leno, Dennis Rodman, that's it's big. WCW took over the tonight show. I mean, you know, it, it wasn't forever, but just for a day, like that's, that's crazy. When you think about it, I'm just, I'm fascinated with this era of professional wrestling. And I'm excited that we get to talk about SummerSlam 1998. Uh, before we get going, I do want to mention, uh, we want to give some props to last week. We had the good fortune of being a podcast movement in Nashville. Uh, what a convention that Dan and, uh, and Jared put on. Uh, greatly appreciate all their hospitality. Got to meet with a lot of movers and shakers in the podcast industry and were invited to speak. And we got to do that with our pal, Eric and Tony, and that was fun. And, uh, somebody snapped a picture and sent it to me and said, look, it's true. Shivani's feet really do dangle. He's got those little bitty legs. So, you know, of course you and, and, and Eric are grown men. So when you sit down in a chair, your feet are firmly planted flat on the ground. And, uh, Chris, who helps us with our podcast videos here, he actually animated Shivani's feet and I'll send it to you. So now I have a gif of Shivani's feet swinging 
<laughs> on stage at podcast movement. And if nothing else, it was worth going and doing that whole seminar and giving the speech and all that, just so we could get the gif of Shivani's feet swinging Are back you and forth. Tony and Opa Limpa. Well, you did. Um, <laughs> I did not. I was asking you. I think you he's did. more like a hobbit. Okay. I love Tony. We, we, uh, he was so kind. He really was. My daughter was there and he went over and chatted and Tony was, uh, you know, the real, I don't say the real Tony, Tony Schiavone, but all those years, the voice of WCW and coming up from WCW Saturday night. And he was so buttoned up, you know, just when you think about the, the, all through the years, how good Tony was and how professional he was. And then you have flipped over that other side of Tony that is greater than great. <laughs> and Tony walked in that morning. Of course, we, you know, it's my hometown and you'd stayed up here and Eric had flown in the night before, but Tony comes in hot straight out of Atlanta and uh, just smiling, cutting up. And that was a lot of fun. And I don't want to gloss over this because I, you know, I'm going to put you guys over. This is the uh, mutual admiration side of it. No, I was talking about Canon Conrad. And I was telling him about it. And look, I'm brand, he knows I'm brand new. I'm, this is episode 16, I think we're doing today. So we're just getting started. Uh, but, and, and podcast movement being in Nashville. So th that was a layup for me. I get to drive for my car and go down, but that convention with Mark Cuban, uh, as a speaker, um, Bobby bones, you know, it, it was the big time and yeah. for us to get get us to get up and sit on the panel and you let you get, I got to tag along, but you know, you leading that panel discussion in, in the room, uh, it was, that was, um, this isn't just another old wrestling podcast. Is it Conrad? <laughs> Not, yeah. it, it, and that's what I told my candidate. I'm like, no, it's, it's, it is amazing. The world of podcasting and how big it is. And there's millions of podcasts. And when you, fit Conrad in, in that grand scheme of things. I no bullshit. I'm honored to be a part of the team. It's that simple. Little peek behind the curtain this past weekend, Megan and I had to do a little bit of traveling. So unfortunately we had to board our dogs. Uh, it's not exactly my favorite thing to do. I want my dogs to be with me all the time, but what sucks is when we came home, it was too late for us to pick them up. So I actually had a day here at home without the dogs and it just felt weird. And I've decided I need to keep those little rugrats around as long as I can. And I know you feel the same way about your dogs, which is why we should all be using solid gold. Here's a little heads up. Did you know that 80% of the immune system is influenced by the gut? What we're talking about is making sure that our animals are getting the proper diet. It's going to keep them healthy. It's going to keep them happy. I'm telling you, it's a game changer for me, especially if I know, Hey man, there's just a certain type of food that I can do that will extend my dog's life. I know that sounds dramatic, but the lady who founded solid gold is a lady named Sissy McGill. And Sissy actually discovered that European Great Danes outlive their American counterparts. As a friend of ours might say, what's up with that? It was all the food, dude. So Solid Gold stepped out and said, let's change something. They've created a nutritional platform inspired by their founding belief that high quality food is the best way to impact our pets, mind, body, and spirit. I absolutely love Solid Gold because I love my dogs. And I know you do too. Just check it out for me. Here's what you'll see when you look at solid gold. 
They've revolutionized the holistic pet food category. They have a recipe for any dog or cat's dietary needs. They've got everything from healthy whole grain to grain free to wet food to supplements like sea meal and even 100% human grade bone broth for dogs. Solid gold foods are different because they cleanse the digestive system with whole superfoods. They balance with living probiotics and they fuel with omega-3 and six fatty acids. This best supports gut health and nourishes your pet inside and out. If you love your dog like we love ours right now, go save 30% on select solid gold products at solidgoldpet.com slash my world. That's solidgoldpet.com slash my world to save 30% on select solid gold products. Remember that's solidgoldpet.com slash my world. Why would not you just try this? Don't your dogs deserve the best? Go to solidgoldpet.com slash my world and just take a look. You'll be glad you did. Well, we're excited to have you. And, uh, really when you, when you take a look at our roster uh, of who all we're doing shows with over at ad free shows, I mean, you know, quite simply that, uh, you know, you're simply irresistible. I mean, I, everybody knows that. Word, simply, I hope you glossed over that. Kept moving. I just hope you moved through that. What, uh, what does that mean? Oh, here we go. I'm ready for you today. <laughs> I knew it. God almighty. Here we go, folks. Howdy, folks. Howdy. Here. That's S. No, I won't. You know that. what? We should have started the show that way, shouldn't we? No. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we couldn't do it without the co host, the Hall of Famer himself, your friend and mine, good old Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Never thought I'd be looking up Robert, Robert Palmer gifts on, on online either. Here, here we are. What's old is new. Here we are. Let's uh, get into SummerSlam '98. My goodness, so much happening. You know, we've sort of set the stage with all that's happening on the other side of things. Uh, WCW's got Carl Malone and DDP tagging up against Hulk Hogan and Dennis Rodman. Of course, Jay Leno is uh, going to be tagging with DDP to take on Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan. So there's a lot of stuff on the other channel that's 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 happening. But let's talk about all things WWF. Your old pal, Robert Fuller comes in in March to be your manager after that failed NWA run with Jim Cornette. We'll talk about that another time, but tell me about Robert Fuller and what it was like working with him here in uh, 1998. You know, um, no, I knew going into this episode that that's would be somewhat of the jumping off point and look, people within WWF, they didn't really realize. I didn't even know Robert was getting hired till after he was hired. And I knew that. Okay, is he going to be an agent or whatever? But no, hey Jeff, we're going to put him with you. And and not a lot of folks r- really realized just how close me and Robert had been. I mean, Robert's father and my father were partners, business partners, not wrestling partners, business partners. And so the family's Roy Welch is Robert's grandfather, and so it was Gulas Welch Wrestling, and that's who my father broke in the business with. And Roy was my father's mentor. This will really get confusing. And yes, we're some from the South. So the, the family's lines gets crossed up here, but me and Robert, um, I did a, one of my, I don't say my first major angle, but it was a, it was a, is an angle where I, I felt like from a professional and Lawler told me this. And my father told me this, that I grew a, as a talent that Robert kicked the shit out of me. He was aggressive. We did a, we did an angle. I mean, nothing, but I mean, he, 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 and we did an angle where he broke my arm with a baseball bat. Um, it was just good storytelling. And so me, Robert had helped me so much. He was a heel. I was the baby face and you can hit the music there. I'm giving you a layup there, but anyhow, um, 
but we worked tags and all that. So Robert was in a lot of ways, one of my mentors. Uh, he helped me with promos. He would lay out, he was one of the first guys that gave me the, the bullet point sort of mindset. And, and he would tell me, Hey Jeff, this is what I'm going to say. So, you know, whoever goes first on Saturday morning, let's think about this. And I would be thinking about it maybe a day or two before, not too in depth, but Robert was a booker. He was a thinker, um, crazy as hell, but man, what a great dude. So when he came in and he was going to be put as my manager, I'm like, okay, by this time I'm thinking, okay, we got two talkers because Robert is a really good promo guy and has sold a lot of tickets and had others produce a lot of others. I was really excited on the one hand. On the other hand, I knew the double J character uh, had squeezed a lot of it out of it and the attitude era, it wasn't jiving. Uh, It it just, it it wasn't, you know, it came in and uh, the, the, the original deal and I did the promo and then we did the NWA thing. And now we're sort of going back to double J. I, I, I wasn't completely enamored with that, but I was definitely willing to give it a shot. Cause we did the pyro and he was my, you know, he was double J's manager as opposed to roadie. What do you think, uh, Mr. Fuller's probably most famous for, <laughs> um, why'd you laugh j- just because um, you're grinning ear to ear. What's what's going on? <laughs> Just your style of interviewing. You go right to the hard hitting questions. Okay. <laughs> if folks, if you could see Conrad's look on his face, but no, Robert is definitely the most well known for his long range planning. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I was going to say Colonel Robert Parker, but I guess maybe you've got a different. Uh, yes. So it, it depends on who you ask knowing his family lineage and his older brother, Ron. Uh, I really think Robert, man, that, that, that depends on who you ask. I think Robert's mind for the business uh, was really good. I, I mean, he was a good booker, um, good producer. He could, he could take young guys and I'm not just talking about, you know, work rate, none of that. It, although he, he knew how to get heat in her, in the ring. He knew mannerisms, uh, um, just, uh, in, in his prime, I'll say this in his prime, which I don't look at Colonel Robert Parker as his prime. That's when he was a man- manager, right? right. Sorry. So his in-ring career was just a fantastic promo guy that, that that's what I think he's the very best at. You know, from, from running a territory to being a, a top guy in the ring himself, to being a manager for WCW and then a manager here in the WWE and more recently a manager in MLW, you, you think really it's the length of his career that stands out the most. Um, <laughs> I would say. No, that isn't what stands out to me. That's what you were saying. You were like, he had long-term planning or something like, I'm just trying to piece together. No, that's when he would book. Oh, okay. Week. He would, he, he would, he would get out, you know, in those days, a three month program is, is, is thought out. Um, Robert didn't think week to week. That's what he, let me just say this. And look, this is, you're asking me, it's my world. Um, what I think what he taught me the most was don't think about just next week. Sort of think of where you're going, uh, the chess game, three and four moves down, down where we, where you're going. And you got to build that heat. Um, a lot of times, you know, if the house is up a little next week, 
that's okay. You you can't have a grand slam. We're looking for that sellout week seven or eight when the cage match or the hairs on the line or whatever the story may be. Uh, Robert had a really good mind for the business. When you're talking about these conversations that you had with Robert, is that back when you were, you know, in the eighties and the territory days, are you having those type conversations even here in 1998? Oh no. L- late eighties or early nineties. When we were working together, that kind of stuff, when he got to the D- WWF, um, gosh, correct me if I'm wrong. When was he, when was he Colonel Robert Parker? He, that was before in WCW. Yeah, what years were that? Lot, probably like 94, 95, 96. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, to my knowledge, this was his first time in the WWF system. That's right. Um, so yeah. I guess what I'm trying to get at is, and I'm trying to do it in a delicate way, but I'm just going to just break it down now. Yeah. Do you, do you think, um, we've talked about how your relationship with your dad and, and, you know, context is King. Did you think whatever advice that he may be giving you in 1998, well, that's the way it used to be in the territory days, but this guy's never gotten over in New York or he's never worked in this territory or the business has changed. Now I'm not saying that you would be that intentionally dismissive or disrespectful or anything like that. But I do know that a lot of times younger talent hear from older talent and they're like, well, it's not really like that anymore. And I know Jeff now, you know, as, as a little older, a little wiser may have had a different approach than the Jeff, what? 23 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So talk me through that. Was there any, he's trying to talk to you and you're just, yeah, yeah. at him, and it's in one ear and out the other type deal. And that's where Robert, you know, I think a lot of, not just Robert, anybody who stays actively engaged in the industry realizes what they don't know. They don't know. And so Robert knew he was completely new to the Vince McMahon system in every way possible and the agents and Uh, this is where we're going to go do promos over here. So I sort of showed Robert the ropes within the WWE system, but I always would pick his brain and listen to him. And Robert had that big introduction and, and, and he's so talented, his, his, his verbal skills and T E double N E double S double E L double E, you know, and, and he would have that. No. So I always still picked his brain. Um, we were just together a short period of time. See, we didn't really get into that meats and potatoes of storytelling, but we had a really good relationship and he had known that, okay, the double J character had gotten over. And so Tennessee Lee, you know, I had the roadie and, and, and then obviously went away and came back and all that. But we, we, to this day have a very candid, open, great relationship. Um, but no, I, I, it's not like he, he came in and I'm like, Hey, let me show you how it's done. No, it was a very good, uh, healthy relationship. Let's keep it going here. And let's talk about Southern justice. They're going to help fill out your entourage. The former Godwins. Yes. The pig farmers, Mark Canterbury and Dennis Knight. They're put with you as your quote unquote heaters. I like this presentation. Whose idea was this? I, I don't know who the original idea is. I, I kind of feel now again, Dennis Knight, I called him Tex Lazinger. He worked in Tennessee right when Mark Canterbury got to the WWF. We started riding together. So we were all buddies. And it you know, it was no secret that, you know, the, the Tennessee Lee thing wasn't picking up any steam and it had nothing to do with Robert. Probably my, more my fault than his fault. It just that that had sort of run its course. But when there was chatter of that, and I know 
uh, Mark and Dennis, Mark and Tex, whatever you want to call him, Phineas. Uh, but, you know, j- just they their direction, I loved it. And I don't know if it was their idea or their conversation with Russo. I know it was presented to me. I can't remember exactly how it came down, but I loved it. And I really, really wanted to go with it. I thought, um, you got to remember, here's DX and The Nation. There were several Bariquas. There, there was factions, Yep. Um, it, you know, that, that were hot. And um, both of those guys can work their ass off. And and I thought it was a, it was a good fit. And... Again, you know, when you think about factions, obviously on camera, but but off camera as well. Me, me and those guys, you know, and and, and Road Dog, we we hung out uh, in real life, and so I, I thought we could really put, uh, pardon the pun, but I really thought it could give all three of us some attitude. They were coming off pig farmers, and I was coming off, you know the the glitz and the glamour of of double j and i thought the three of us collectively could uh gather up uh s- some attitude uh like the other personas that were currently going on uh in wwe at the time so let's talk a little bit about um the the overall presentation so you're going back to this double j persona you're this big entertainer blah 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 And it always felt like the presentation here is trying to mirror Elvis. So whereas Elvis had Colonel Tom Parker, uh, now you've got Tennessee Lee. And instead of having the Memphis mafia, sort of Elvis's entourage, you've got Southern justice. Is that about right? Do you think that's really the, the germ of the idea? Uh, you know, sure. That's been referenced and discussed. And I, I, I can't say that. I think the uh, segue from the NWA persona to the Tennessee Lee was let's create double J with an edge. Let, let's, what would his edge be? What would his attitude be? And, and Robert, I don't know. I still to this day, don't even know actually how his name came up. I, I guess he was let go from WCW or, or something had come to an end. Um, but, but um, you know, that came on the scene and uh, it's, it was put together. And so, Southern justice, again, two good talents that were, uh, I'm not exactly sure what they were doing before this, but it sort of gelled and I can see that, that Southern, again, we had the Hispanics, we had the nation, we had DX, we had these different groups. So, you know, what fit, uh, double J the man from music city, I can see where you're going with that sort of a music mafia, if you will. Man, let me tell you, I'm fired up about being home. I've been on the road a few weekends in a row. And uh, listen, don't get me wrong. I'm glad the world's opening back up. I'm glad we're trying to get back to normal. And I don't mind some of these swanky hotels I've had the opportunity to stay in. But it's when I try to go to bed that I realize I miss my bed. And I'm missing it even more thanks to our friends at Chili Sleep. Chili Sleep has changed the way I sleep. I've, I've talked about this for a few weeks now. But for years, I've been cranking down the AC in my house because I felt like I slept better. And in fact, I was right. You see, science tells us the best way to achieve and maintain consistent deep sleep is by lowering your core body temperature. Temperature controlled sleep is going to restore your testosterone levels, repair your muscles after a hard day's work, and improve your cognitive function so you always start your day feeling sharp and alert. Chili Sleep has made a customizable climate controlled sleep power temperature controlled mattress topper that fits over your existing mattress to provide you your ideal sleep temperature. 
You see, I didn't need to be cranking down the AC to cool down the kitchen or cool off the dining room. I needed my bed to be cool. And these geniuses have figured out how to do it. These luxury mattress pads from Chili Sleep keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep sleep, whether you sleep hot or cold. Surprise, this fat guy sleeps hot. These sleep systems are designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy you need to power through your day. Imagine waking up and not feeling tired. Chili Sleep has made that happen for me and they can for you too. Let me explain how this works. You're gonna get this rig, you're gonna hook it up next to your bed, you're gonna throw a little water in it, you're going to wrap your mattress topper over your existing mattress. Thanks to chili sleep. And then you're going to pair it with your phone. Yes. You're going to pair it with your phone. Now, hang on, bear with me. Here's why you want to do that. I can control the temperature of my bed with my phone. Not only that, I don't have to remember to do it. I set up a little schedule. So Monday through Sunday, that's all seven days a week, boys and girls. I make sure my bed is cool at 10 PM and it starts to warm me up at 6 AM so I can wake up on time feeling refreshed. Now I've tinkered with that morning time a little bit, but I want to get into a cool bed and warm up to wake up. How about that? This makes it possible. We're talking about the chili sleep Uller. Now, Megan, she wants to climb into a warm bed, but then she doesn't want to get all hot and sweaty. She wants to be cooled off during the night, but then warm her up to wake her up. That's possible too. I can't recommend this enough. It's been a game changer for us. Oh, how about this for a little life hack for an extra layer of comfort? They also make the chili blanket, the only weighted blanket that can also be paired with a control unit for the ultimate sweat free sleep. Head over to chilisleep.com forward slash my world to learn more and check out a special offer available exclusively for my world with Jeff Jarrett listeners and available only for a limited time. That's chili C H I L I sleep.com slash my world to take advantage of our exclusive discount and wake up feeling refreshed every day. That's chillysleep.com forward slash my world. Let's, uh, let's talk about how the company is coming off of fully loaded their July pay-per-view, which was in Fresno, California. Um, at what point do you know you're going to have a hair match at SummerSlam? And actually, before you answer that, was this your first hair match? Had you had a hair match before? Uh, that I was planning on losing. No, I'd had a bunch of hair in, in Tennessee, you know, in the territory in USWA, um, definitely hair matches through the years. Um, matter of fact, probably went to the well one too many times. I mean, our old friend, Tony Falk at one time we shaved his head and we shaved his uncle's head and another uncle's head. Um, <laughs> so I'd been through my mill of hair matches, but, um, I can't, say how far out, but I know that I was in favor of getting a new look, um, getting more of an attitude look. Um, you know, I, I knew the days of, of the mullet needed to come to an end. Uh, and so we were headed in that direction. Uh, but I, I, I definitely think it was, I don't say three months out, but it, it was, it was quite a bit of time that, uh, we're going to go in a direction to cut my hair. So is this something where Russo comes to you and says, Hey, we got an idea and runs it past you or are they just, Hey, guess what? You're losing your hair. I, I mean, I, no, I, I, I wanted to change the lookup for sure. Um, and that goes back a ways. I, I can't, boy, I'd have to look at the months, but I knew for, for a while I wanted to change up my, my look. Uh, and, and Vince was good with it. I mean, he was fine. You know, he's like, yeah, okay. What do we got to, you know, thoughts. And I know that it was just sort of a, a running top of mind discussion that, um, double J is going to get a makeover. 
So you're uh, scheduled to face X-Pac. Did you know when you know, hey, we're going to change your look up. We're going to put you in hair match. Was it always X-Pac? Did you know that from the very beginning? I mean, sometimes we hear that, you know, you have an opponent and you build through a series of matches and then it pays off with, you know, whether it's a cage match or a lumberjack match or a strap match, it builds to something. And of course a hair match is a gimmick match along that same line where there's, there's stakes, there's consequences. Was this a feud with X-Pac that was going to culminate in that? Or, Hey, we'd like to cut your hair. So let's turn it into a match. Who can we have a good match with? Uh, X-Pac will do it. Um, I don't think there was any master plan because I feel like, and look, I, and I may be proven wrong and I will many times, but outside of Steve and taker, maybe, uh, and I'm not saying them working against each other, but like Steve and taker, I don't even think rock at this time. But there was only really one main thread, and then there was a lot of interchangeable parts, even DX. Uh, but DX was wrestling different guys, and uh, uh, and I'd say the New Age Outlaws. I knew how to series and match. Uh, but me and uh, Kid, Sean, whatever we're going to call him, X-Pac, uh, worked a lot of house shows together, live events. Um, so there wasn't this master plan of, Hey, Jeff and 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 uh, Xbox are going to work this uh, big program and and blow it off with a hair match. No, it was everybody was sort of running their different routes, so to speak, down different roads. But eventually, all trying to figure out. But we interchanged so much. Again, it was you'd have a match on Raw, and then the next week shoot an angle with another guy. It, it wasn't uh, other than like the tip top storyline. That was the only thing that was truly week-to-week episodic. You know, in those days, two-hour Raw, Austin start the program, do a little tease, a little thread, and he'd close the program. And rightly so. That was the that was definitely the gas driving the, the car. And it feels like the, uh, the hair match is really just like an added attraction. Um, before you get to um, fully loaded, you work with Sean Waltman at the Cow Palace. How many, I mean, you've probably had several matches over the years at the cow palace, but you and I've never really talked about it. What'd you think of that? It's rather iconic wrestling building, super iconic. And it's an old wrestling building. Well, let me say that it is a very cool, you know, it's so much history and it, and it, it goes like the Boston garden, the old Boston garden, not people, guys that broke into business that weren't blessed like me or cursed like me to hear the legendary stories of Cow Palace, uh, the Olympic Auditorium, um, the Crow's Nest in Portland, Oregon. People probably don't, you know, have, you know, but just the the different venues, the Sportatorium in Dallas, um, j- just Florida Armory and West Palm and Charlotte, all these, I'll call them iconic wrestling venues. Um, there was no context for me getting to wrestle in the Cow Palace for the first time. It was very cool with all the history and it was, you know, it's, it's a legendary venue. It is a legendary venue and, uh, you're going to be off to the races. You know, once you, uh, get through fully loaded, uh, at that show, you would be in a losing effort to Val Venus. So our world's greatest entertainer is now losing to a fake porn star. And, uh, <laughs> what's ironic is Tennessee Lee is at ringside. So why is well, that ironic now? Well, because he had had such a long career. And we just talked about him earlier and I don't know, he's your manager, but he can't manage to get a win here. And you would think that, you know, he could have 
phoned a friend or used a foreign object, something. Robert was known to carry a few foreign objects. <laughs> really? Yeah. In his day. Oh, he's a heels heel. But anyway, do you, do you perceive yourself here? And, uh, you sort of talked about, you weren't necessarily thrilled with, uh, the creative in the summer of 98, you working with Sean Waltman, great performer working with Val Venus, solid performer, but you're losing to Val Venus in the middle of the card on the pay-per-view. Yeah. Do, do you kind of feel like, oh, I'm in mid card hell. You, you got to remember night one of me returning to the company. And we'll get into that in a later episode, but that didn't get off to the races. <laughs> I mean, you know, that, 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 you know, so, so heading in that direction and everything that just sort of went down and my personal life and that situation, it was, um, it, it was a rough go. And, and look, I, I, I knew the role that was given to me and I was doing everything I could to take every opportunity literally any opportunity. How can I make this better? How can I make, make it work for all involved? Cause that's the end goal. If me and Val can go out and tear down the house, we both win. If we go out and have a bad match, whether it's my fault or, or Val's fault, they, they kind of, for the most part, people go, Oh, that stunk. They don't care whose fault it was. It just was a bad segment. So I, I knew what role I was playing and uh, went out and did the best. Now, I, with all due respect, working the Val Venus and working with Sean Waltman were entirely, and I'm not talking about in-ring work. I'm talking about X-Pac was a, such an integral part of the dynamic, you know, the new age outlaws and Hunter, but on, I don't even want to call them bookends, but when you have China on one side and X-Pac on the other, that's attitude personified. Yeah. And so. He was, in a lot of ways, like I've said about Road Dog. Road Dog had the perfect partner in Billy Gunn, but but you talk about identifiable with, with the, the the entire vibe of the promotion was X Pac and Road Dog. Hard to argue that. The next night in San Diego, the split happens when uh, I guess Shotgun is at this point the C Show. Shotgun, <laughs> uh, I guess it's still called Saturday Night. Either way. Draws pins you after hitting you with uh, Lee's boot. Southern justice comes out after the match and is told to attack you, but they attack Lee instead. And Dennis Knight hits the slop drop. And it's the last time Robert Fuller is ever seen on WWF TV again. Uh, why did you single-handedly run Robert Fuller out of the business? Oh, well, it's truth be known. Um, if we're going to get into the weeds here. It, I will answer that question on one condition. Okay. Why did you fire Robbie the Highlander years ago? Now Why did you, you bought him the fast pass at Universal Studios. Listen you to said, this. You went and watched this event. Then you called Keith Mitchell and said, Hey, Keith, this WWE talent's coming down. I want you to shoot him on camera. And I don't want like a two second shot. I want like a 12 second close shot. So I don't know why you did that. Uh, but no, good old Robert. Um, I do remember this and, and look, Robert, Robert, look, he, he had hired and fired so many talent in his life. He knew that, Hey man, my, my gig's up here and I'm moving on. He just kind of that simple. Okay. <laughs> um, shotgun Saturday night draws. Do you remember that match? I mean, you gotta be 
you probably only had a handful of matches with draws over the years. We haven't spent any time talking about him. Any draw stories you can share with us? Oh man. I saw him, uh, in 2018 up in Philly, uh, at, at autograph session, the icons, uh, is so good to see him. So no, you know, uh, we were buddies, uh, our buddies, um, you know, puke. I remember the gimmick. He, you know, he had his puke and I'm like, wow, now this is, this is a little different, <laughs> but the attitude era, you know, this vibe, like you just said, we had a, a porn star and DX and a cowboy and stone Cold and a dead man with attitude and his brother, and we're going to hang him on a cross. And then the boss's daughter, Stephanie, I mean, you know, just, it was a, well, and on the other channels, saying, I think it's as much a part of the industry of, of, of uh, the, uh, to put it in full context. If you're a wrestling fan, you at least flipped over on the other channel. Of course. Oh, I flipped into the channel. If we, everybody was watching everything. It was red hot. It was, it was really cool. So, um, but no puke, uh, dries, um, man. Um, yeah, I, I got, I got several, I, I'll never forget in uh, Nassau Coliseum. I was up next, uh, when the accident happened, uh, I was backstage, uh, warm, getting, you know, warming up, uh, to, to go out. Um, when the unfortunate accident happened, but, uh, loved, loved Darren. Um, ironically, there's a six degrees of separation connection with him as well. Uh, he went to college with Frank Wycheck and Frank's one of my good buddies, former Tennessee Titan, uh, who made his roots here even after his career. So, um, yeah, uh, old Darren, uh, great guy, I, but uh, you, you're, you're talking about stories. I, I just keep, I, I remember shooting the pre-tapes or hearing about the pre-tapes and I'm like, this guy's really throwing up like, Oh yeah. He can throw up on command. Well, how about that? That's a unique talent. <laughs> hey, real quick. want to remind you to check out conradreviews.com. If you think what I'm saying is too good to be true about save with conrad.com, check out conradreviews.com. That's where you'll see a five-star review from my man, Robert up in Warren, Michigan. He said, Diane and Brandy made my refinance simple and only took one phone call to get the process started. And the team was great with pondering my busy schedule. 99% of the communication was done via email. I was able to refinance out of my original FHA loan at a better rate. Even with the cash I took out for a kitchen remodel, my new mortgage payment is still cheaper than my original loan. Who would have thought being a podcast fan could save you money? Hey, thanks for that review, Robert. We appreciate the opportunity to help you save some cash and get that new kitchen, but check that out guys. He got a brand new kitchen with no money out of pocket and his payment still went down. That's like getting a free kitchen. Keep more of your own money. You're overpaying your single biggest bill and you may not even realize it. Find out how much money you can save for free right now at savewithconrad.com. Or if you'd like, give us a call toll free at 888-425-0105 or shoot me an email, conrad at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention we're licensed in more than 40 states? Find out how much money you can save right now for free at savewithconrad.com. Let's, um, let's move on. Let's talk about, uh, now that you've been separated from Tennessee Lee, uh, Monday night raw is taped on this same day. And, uh, this is, uh, the tapings where they have you wrestle Hawk. It's a big deal because this is the middle of the Hawk. Uh, I'm really Mike Hegstrand and I'm a drunk gimmick, but mm. he still beats you. Uh, it's not the, the Hawk of old, but it seems more like a way to get Southern justice and LOD heated up. And maybe you're like almost the backdrop here in hindsight, probably not the best creative Wait. Say again. Sorry. 
I was going to say the utility player. Yes. It, yeah. Go ahead. Maybe not the best creative we ever saw for Hawk. Pretty controversial in hindsight. What'd you think of that? I mean, you obviously have uh, an understanding and a history of, of this topic better than some others, but, uh, that maybe wasn't the best creative. You know, there's so often two sides of every corn, but I do remember this and this is before I have a deep personal understanding of mental health and, and, you know, uh, addiction issues and, and those, those type of of storylines. But even back then I I never saw an upside. Yeah. Oh yeah. Man, it's based on real life. Okay. So where are you going with this? Like, like where, who, you know, so the heel in, in, in my mind, and I don't want to get too old school mentality, but, but the, 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 uh, the antagonist would be the bottle or, or, or whatever it may be. And so, yes, he's going to overcome that, but what's the payoff? I, I always was taught, where are you going with this? And I'll go back to the Robert Fuller, you know, where are you going with this? What's the payoff? So that story never, I never liked it. I, I just, I didn't really see that because what's the meat on the bone. Um, so, but love Hawk, God, what a character he was. I used to love to, to, sit back in the dressing room and I don't say holding court, but you know, as guys come in and long days at TV and this and that, and you know, uh, hawking his happy feet and that's an insider, uh, little, <laughs> but, um, Hulk, Oh man, what a great guy. So funny, but man, he, uh, he was, let's just say a veteran through and through. Uh, but yeah, I do remember these series of matches with old Hawk. Let's talk about, uh, what's next for you here. August 1st, you're in Toronto, losing the X-Pac in front of 14,688 fans. The next day you're losing the X-Pac in Montreal in front of 11,209 fans. The hits keep coming August 9th. You're in St. Louis. Once again, losing the X-Pac in front of 16,733 fans. A lot of people are seeing you, uh, count the lights every night for a live event, 16,000. 733 fans. It's unbelievable when you think about it. Oh my God. That that goes back to, uh, love those paydays. But, but, um, when you look, that was the run, you know, uh, the, the, I I don't know if you have the full card, but that was sort of our slot. And I don't know if we were where we were at, you know, placed on the card as far as eight or nine matches. Uh, it's one of the things that, uh, Vince, really drilled down and I had, you know, maybe a handful of conversations, but I had many conversations with Jack Lanza or, or others, but Jack specifically, uh, just sort of the, the ebb and flow of the roller coaster at TNA. I used to implement that in so many different ways. And guys would say, no, I, that should go on second or fourth. And I'm going guys, take a step back and, and let's look at from the time we come on the air or from the very beginning until the time. So their card placement, um, and so that was our role. That was my role. And I was damn happy to play it because me and Xbox probably went bell to bell time, maybe eight to 10. I, I, I'm just guessing, but not real long. Um, and we, our, our, the play that we were to run was go out there and give them action, give them your signature spots and bring it home in DX wins. And on those live events in front of that many people, 
that is the proverbial getting to work with him because he's one of a handful of guys that you talk about. And I don't want to say a night off because we work so well together and it was hard hitting and snug and in there. But man, it was uh, in a lot of ways, it's it's like those those games or 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 different. If you've ever been in something, you go, that's why we do it. Uh, he, Sean is so good. And he was so over too. like, Ooh, man, you, 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 you know, they, we, everybody jo- jokes, uh, in the industry about that road warrior pop. I'll also say that, uh, that DX pop during this era, obviously the Austin and the glass breaking, but Xbox was so over. And so, uh, yeah, we, we, uh, we had a nice little house show run. I'll say that. It's interesting to me to, to look at this in context of, you know, these days, I don't know that you see this, but people who are, shall we say, Jeff cheer haters. Oh, Jeff always booked himself to win. Jeff was never going to lose. <laughs> Jeff never lost to anybody here. We are. And we've talked about several matches. You ain't won one yet, including when Hey man, I'm so drunk. I'm ruining my life. I'm just a shell of my former self. But by the way, even I can beat the shit out of Jeff Jarrett, you know, like it's, it's pretty remarkable that this is out there that you had an issue putting people over. We haven't talked about a win yet in all of this. And see, that's what bizarre to me, even if, and I don't want to get off topic, uh, of the day, but e- even when I was champion, I lost a lot. Yes. Uh, and, and look, that was by obviously by design. And when you look back over the history of, of, you know, look, it's just the narrative and you, you have the, I'm gonna give you all the credit. You sort of taught me about this narrative. Oh yeah. That it's, it's kind of, a it's not amazing now that I really get into it. it, The narrative that just was perpetuated. And I'm not talking about like a a season year after year, after year, after year. And I'm decades. Yeah. Look at you say that with all sincerity, Jeff decades. Well, I'm just saying like people still to this day, we, I see tweets that say, God, I hated Jeff Jarrett my whole life. <laughs> and then, you know, in this two hour podcast that changed my mind, it's, it's really amazing. But I think the most amazing piece to me is when you sit there with a straight face and say, you introduced me to this, like y'all didn't have internet in Hendersonville. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 no. no. I, I knew that the, the, um, yeah, well, yeah, I had internet, but I, the, the, the overall narrative that sort of runs with that, I guess I'm going to go back to my upbringing. It, it's the same folks who would wait out back beside mid South Coliseum in Memphis and Louisville gardens and Nashville that literally at, 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 and I'm a baby face. I'm a good guy. And just the simply irresistible. I just finished and they are dog cussing me because their girlfriend sit beside them or whatever it is that, but that the, those same guys that were dog cussing me in the arena, when it's time to go, they are literally the first ones at my car. Hey, Jeff, can I get an autograph? Hey, Jeff. Hey man, where are you guys going after this? Hey, do you mind if we hang out? Hey, are you going down to this club? Are you doing this or that? Are you, do you, do you need anything? Hey man, can I run down the store and get you those same folks? So human psychology and, and all that, I've always equated it somewhat uh, to to the internet as years going by. Okay, they're haters. They they've got a reason that they want to get this off their chest. Uh, but but the multiplier uh, and the narrative that that ran. How about that? I'm just saying. It just after all that time, 
you know, and you knew this when you were leaving those buildings way back when, and you would see those fans out back who had just been booing their ass off. But then they meet you and they realize that you're really. <laughs> so listen, after, uh, you've lost 982 matches to X-Pac here and uh, you've been split up from Tennessee Lee, you change your appearance a little bit at the next set of TVs. Uh, cause remember we had one tape draw which will be August 10th in Omaha. It's going to be a live raw is war. And now you've got some facial hair that you're still rocking to this day. You've also got the guitar and you've got, don't piss me off painted on it. And you've got a little tribute shirt on today that says, don't tick me off available now at boxingmx.com. Whose idea is this, this edgier version of double J goes without saying Russo knew that I wanted to change and look, he's writing an entire show and. Austin is his priority and takers his priority. So I realized that I'm down below the porn star in priority, but no, uh, but you know, but ongoing conversations, but I wanted to come up with, with look, I, I knew my, my role, my position, my stature, but the don't piss me off was sort of a gear that I felt I could kick into. I can remember multiple times. And this is going back to the 95 era when Pat Patterson would pull me aside and look, this is the kind of growth speeches he would give talent. He'd say, Hey, double J when you're working with razor and I can't do a French accent, but literally Pat would tell me at different times and he would make him and Bruce would make cameos at, 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 at house shows, excuse me, live events. But Pat would tell me, Hey man, when you sort of make that shift and you go into the heat, You've got to kick it from a third gear, not the fourth gear. You kind of got to go up into fifth gear because you're not six five and you're not not two seventy. So get really angry really quick and show the world that. So you know, fast forward a couple of years, and, and I was trying to land on something that okay, what what is something? And it's okay. So now Double J's this character that's and I grade and ha ha and you know world's greatest singer and and a lot of over the top flamboyance and now i'm in the attitude area you better not piss me off or i'm going to kick your ass and so that was my mindset of that the the the, the in a lot of ways in in the double j brain or persona the 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 switch had flipped makes sense it does and i like it because uh i hated that ho ho horse shit you were doing before so i'm i like this version ah. a lot better <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. Every time you call me, if you start with that, I will just hang up and that'll be the end of that call. You don't like that. Do you? Oh, it's the worst. It, it, here's the thing too. It means it worked. You know, you figured out how to get heat, but you've somehow convinced us quote unquote, smart marks. Oh no. You should really hate that. Uh, it, <laughs> I got another one for you. You like this. Don't you? Howdy folks. Now I you do. Like I do that one all the time to you. you. To me. Yes. <laughs> You know, I didn't realize it, but, uh, I, I even picked up a Jeff Jarrettism years ago. Uh, I've been known to be, um, shall we say a fast driver from time to time I've okay. slowed down in more recent years and I've, I've mastered the cruise control, but okay. once upon a time, I didn't really pay much attention to speed limits. It was like, how fast do I feel like I can safely go? So I would okay. just move with the traffic. And occasionally when you're on a trip somewhere on 65, a road, you and I are very familiar with, I would find myself behind a car that was going well below the speed limit in the left lane. And mm. I found myself doing the two fingers and like motioning them to get over. And then I realized once you and I started hanging out, 
And as I'm confessing to you, I hated you my whole life. Just like everybody says online, holy cow. For like 20 years, I've been doing your horse shit move <laughs> over, but I wouldn't strut past him. I'd so you would past him in your own way. In my own way. Yeah. So let's get back on track here. LOD is scheduled to face Southern justice, but Hawk was drunk or high or whatever you want to call it. And you come out and nail draws with a guitar. Um, we're, we're a year removed from the honky tonk man being on WWF TV. Was there any worry or hesitation when it came to you cracking people with guitars? Because this is a relatively new thing for you. Not, no, it wasn't on my part. And I, I know that, um, collectively it went with the double J persona. It wasn't like I was getting out of bounds and, you know, I don't know how I would say it. It's, you know, it, it, if double J went with music and I'd had, you know, I'd got up in the ring and teased, I was going to sing or play the guitar and all that kind of stuff. So it wasn't out of bounds and I, I didn't have, there was no, you know, so oh, honky came back. You're talking about with uh, Billy Gunn. I was thinking, yeah, okay. What do Rock, you mean? Rockabilly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But no, that didn't, um, that certainly wasn't, it didn't, it didn't enter into my brain at all. The Wait guitar. a minute. So the you, conflict. you never thought about you're a Tennessee bumpkin. No, he's I, a Tennessee I, bumpkin. We both carry guitars and hit mugs with them. That never crossed your mind. Conflict to me at all. No, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying if you, let's say you came out with like, I don't know, red boots, yellow knee pads and red tights. And then you start leg dropping people and going like this. Yeah. And then somebody says, Oh, are are you, you're saying you're from Venice beach, California (laughs) and you got blonde hair and you're leg dropping people and doing this. You don't see the connotation. Oh, I, I, I saw that, but I didn't really think it was like out of bounds at all. I still don't. It's like, Hey, <laughs> it's it, and honky tonk. Wasn't the first to use a guitar. Uh, Billy Travis used it and I'm not saying he used it after honky tonk, but it's hard to do a first. And it's not like my character wasn't built around music. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not disputing the fact that honky was the first in W. Well, was he the first? I don't know. Did you ever think it- did, it ever, did you ever think about carrying a snake to the ring and after the match, putting it on him? Uh, Frankie, the bird is what I had second thoughts. Cause it's a singing parrot. I now, thought it was a snake. Can't sing, but a bird can. <laughs> if you, for the purposes of my story, I'm going to need at some point for you to make one in ring return with a fucking talking bird on your shoulder. That would just be <laughs> the best. There's a new sports drama series on stars, and it's set in the world of indie wrestling. Heels follows a family-owned wrestling promotion as two brothers war over control of the league and their late father's legacy. Ace and Jack Spade's rivalry both in and out of the ring is the main event. Brother versus brother, hero versus heel, even CM Punk is stepping back onto the mat for a cameo. Alexander Ludwig plays Ace Spade, the beloved hero, young hotshot, and the star of the Duffy Wrestling League. Outside the ring, Ace struggles to reconcile his idol status with his habit for self-destruction. Stephen Amell plays his brother and league heel, Jack Spade. This hardworking proprietor, husband, and father is trying to breathe new life into the DWL. Heels is available to watch now on Stars and the Stars app. 
So the main event of Sunday night heat later that night is triple H and X-Pac against Southern justice. DX gets the win and you come out and hit X-Pac with a low blow and you attempt to cut his hair before Billy Gunn makes the save. So let's run through this. You've ripped off honky tonk, man. Now you're ripping off Brutus, the fucking barber beefcake. <laughs> they just reached right into the box of gimmicks and said, Hey, Jeffrey. So Brutus was the first person to go snip the, his opponent's hair to build toward a hair match. Well, of course not in prime time WWE. He is the person most notable for cutting people's hair. Yes, sir. And see that what is bizarre. I will say this, that a lot of people think that the wrestling industry kind of started when they started watching wrestling. Yeah. Then that happens to this day. No, 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 no. Not gonna let you get away with that. I'm saying you're presenting it to the same audience. This is an audience that grew up watching the WWF. You just assume that everybody's like you down there trying to adjust your rabbit ears in Hendersonville and, and get, you know, the CWA and, and whatever you could have world-class, we, we weren't all doing that territory. You ain't from USWA area. Dad gummit. Sorry. So the next night in Des Moines, there's a set of TV tapings. We got Southern justice versus. The oddities, which is Kurgan and Golga, who we know is John Tenta. Luna is going to interfere, cause the DQ and you come out and cut off her dreadlocks. So obviously this is building towards SummerSlam, but if I was a betting man, those weren't actually her hairs. Uh, I think you'd probably be accurate, but can we talk about the oddities? No, no, we, we I, I, when, when here's what my favorite part of the oddities is when they had ICP with them. I love this ICP. Whoop whoop. I th- but they they. What do you? What I can't look? believe you just dropped a whoop whoop. Oh, I didn't know that you were uh, a juggalo. I'm a juggalo from way back. Look at the early days of TNA. That's that's another episode. But when we arranged for them to come and they're going to be there, and they they came up to me and not 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 Joe and them. Like you realize. There's going to be like at the, the, the asylum and you've been there. There's yeah. going to be a lot of juggalos in the house. And I said, well, yeah, are you sure? Yeah, this is going to be a great audience. And you talk about creating emotion in an arena. And I'm talking about the TNA days, but uh, that's, this is where uh, I've done the gathering. I've wrestled at 4 a.m. before. So uh, where are I you at with Fago? Oh, I have been on stage kicking Fago at the ga- gathering at four in the morning outside of Cleveland. Yeah. Well, learn something new every day. I see <laughs> you talk about, uh, my life's a movie. I want to shoot this scene. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. With two scoops of the whoop. Uh, so we've got John Tenta, the former earthquake. Yes. The it. guy who's helping headline SummerSlam against Hulk Hogan. Eight years later, he's Golga. Big John. I used to love to ride with him from time to time. John Arezzi, uh, friend of the show, uh, lives in Franklin. So he was a podcast movement last week, bumped into us. And, uh, you jokingly said, Conrad, it's this guy's fault. Vince Russo was in wrestling. <laughs> and I turned to you and said, whoa, 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 whoa. You kept <laughs> Vince Russo gainfully employed in wrestling longer than anybody. And of course you and I are friendly, friendly with Russo and he's a fun guy, but it was just a fun statement. But then you go back and you look at John Tenta here, the former earthquake, man, his run with WCW was so bad when he was the shark and they're cutting off half of his hair. And then he's a part of that Piper's team. That just was a, one of the worst moments in the history of nitro. 
I know people are taking issue with, oh, John Tenta was a great performer. He shouldn't have been Golga. It got him something to do. I mean, it might not have been everybody's favorite gimmick, but man, he was DOA in WCW. So I thought it was cool. And Russo deserves a little credit for he tried something different and it gave some guys opportunities to get one last little run of paydays. And I may not be completely spot on, but I know this was during the era. Uh, this is a little double J my world Easter egg. First off me, I, I love John. And when you know, John's heritage or lineage, a, a, an American sumo wrestler, you know, yes. in Japan and, and look for the eighties, he was a perfect, I can remember the angle going when he dropped on Hogan's chest, J- just how much they sold it. And you didn't see Hulk for a week or two after it. And they, he was another, you know, Kamala, one of those long line of monster heels that were perfect for Hulk in that era. Well, like you just said, fast forward, got to adapt with the times and, um, Gosh, we'll have to look this up. We'll get the research to look it up. But I had a Sunday night heat match, I think, with John. Long story short is um, figure four wasn't going to work. Uh, and a running DDD. Anyway, uh, that's when I first started using the stroke. Mm. Okay. So John was, uh, yep, he can do that. I can give him the stroke. And so one of those finishes, I can remember Lanza saying, hey, Double J, you need a finish that anybody can take. I'm going, Okay. Point taken. And how'd, so John, one of those early ones, how'd you come up with the stroke? Um, the idea being it's like a Russian leg sweep, but forward instead of backwards. Yeah. It's a forward Russian leg sweep. Uh, I always liked it too. Uh, and, and a, a guy that can, you know, you can give it to anybody, but somebody who really knows how to take it, it looks great. Cause it's boom, a, a face, you know, a face plant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it was just something that, um, I, you know, it was something that I'd done gosh, dating back to the USW days from time to time, but just as a, Hey man, we'll do this. Uh, Brian Christopher, uh, could take a, could take a great Russian leg sweep. He could also take a great forward one. He, he could, he was a bump taking son of a gun, but, um, no, that's uh good old Golga, uh, and the oddities, good old Kurgan. What, what a group. And yes. And I don't think that was Linda's hair to circle back to your question. It, I don't think it was her real hair that I snipped. Um, Jeff, the barber beefcake, Jarrett snipped her hair. That make you happy. God, you think I'm like gimmick infringement. Oh. You are. You are. Oh, okay. I mean, first of all, you're wearing Bob Vila's glasses. All right. You're, you're carrying honky tonk man's guitar. And then after the match, you're ripping off Brutus, the barber beefcake. You should, I mean, what's keeping you from doing this and calling everybody brother. Dig it. I mean, you <laughs> even have it. You, you, you even went so far as to rip off Hogan's facial hair. Okay. You know, I, I'm a gimmick stealer. That's, yeah. that's it. <laughs> Not infringement stealer. Yes. You're a thief. Everybody knows that. You know, it's cool. funny when I told you, uh, when I told Bruce that you and I were starting a podcast, he said, oh, I'd be careful. And I said, what does, what does that mean? I thought you liked Jeff. He's oh, I love Jeff, but that whole Jarrett bunch, they're just a bunch of thieves. And I was just quiet for a minute. And then he started laughing. He's like, I'm fucking with you. Have fun. I don't give a shit. I got a book Smackdown. Goodbye. Uh, <laughs> I love it. No, I, when I've talked to him and, and, uh, the, the, the very short conversation and I'm like, Bruce in 2017, why in the hell did you didn't just slap me in the face? Say, Jeff, just do it. Yeah. Literally yeah. just do this. Yeah. 
And he goes, well, I tried to tell you, but you were in no mood to listen. And he was spot on. <laughs> Uh, for all the nation faces off against DX in a street fight, you and Southern justice get involved here. That's a pretty cool spot. Uh, triple H and Billy Gunn wind up getting some juice. And then you guys come out and, uh, with the attack it ends with you cutting some of Sean Waltman's hair. Is that something you talk about beforehand? I mean, it feels like he would have said, Hey, now oh, do, yeah. do it here. Don't do it. You know, all that, right. Oh, yeah, that kind of deal. How are we doing this? But no, I mean, when you just said it, you know, as we get closer to SummerSlam and at the garden and Austin and Taker and highway to hell. And you know, it's, it's, it goes without saying Steve's by far the hottest box office attraction in the world, but DX is behind them. That group of DX, you know, the group is, is behind Austin. Um, and for, for me to be shooting that angle, it was like, Hey, I've been putting over Val Venus. It's a perfect example. Put over Val Venus, put over this guy, put over that guy. Boom. With the right time, right angle, right storyline. Boom. You're cutting DX's hair, going into a hair match at SummerSlam. So the beauty of the business. It feels like, um, sometimes when we've seen these hair versus hair matches, one of the guys has really long hair and you just immediately assume, well, he ain't losing, Mm -hmm. but once upon a time in Memphis, you guys would throw people off with that. Like when Dundee put his wife's hair up, you just assume, well, no way Dundee loses. And then his wife gets skin up. Nobody saw that coming. So. Is part of the thinking here, we've got to go ahead and give Xbox some sort of a trim. So they think that it's at least possible because, and I don't mean for this to be dismissive, but I just want to add context. Cause I think sometimes when people think about Sean Waltman, they think, oh, well, it was the NWO version or it was the one, two, three kid version, but DX is arguably, you know, one notch below stone cold, Steve Austin as the biggest, most overact in the whole promotion. I mean, when road dog comes out the crowd does a sing-along with every word that comes out of his mouth. It is unbelievable how quote unquote over they are. And you have been losing to Val Venus on pay-per-view. So based on that positioning, you would just think, well, there's no way Jeff Jarrett's beating that guy. First of all, he's got long hair. And second, he's part of the biggest group. So this hillbilly's going to get his hair cut, right? For sure. But the one thing that I think that let me think how to really crystallize this. And I think it's uh the ad free team did a great clip. I don't know if you've seen it Conrad about why I love the industry. Cause there's always next week, you know, no matter if it's a great match, what's going to happen next week. Can they top it? Bad match, bad segment. What's going to happen next week. It's got to get better. Just that hope in this industry. Cause it's weekly episodic, but as things got rolling for both companies, and I don't want to call it shock TV. I just want to say you couldn't call exactly what was going to happen. Right. What was going to happen? Who was going to show up? Or did, did they really do that? I mean, oh, come on now. That Stone Cold didn't really say that. Wait, Undertaker is really going to crucify or, you know, the language or I'm just, it, it, you just didn't, you couldn't call the play. Um, every week on every segment. You just couldn't. I mean, who would have thought those vignettes with Val Venus? That was like, they they did what? <laughs> the Godfather's walking out with who every week on wrestling? You know, there was, call it the water cooler talk. But there were, wait, Jay Leno? 
wait, are you serious? Jay Leno is going to be on this wrestling show. Yep. Well, what does NBC think about that? Dennis Rodman and Carl Malone were just in the NBA finals. Now we know that's real and that's legitimate. And they're doing a little scuffle on court, but now all of a sudden they're wrestling over here. It, there were so many things going on in the industry that you just couldn't call it. So work our way back into the SummerSlam build. And I cut some of Sean's hair to give that visualization. I think somewhat mission accomplished. Like, Oh, wow. That old double J in Southern justice. Hmm. He might just get his head shaved. You work draws again for Sunday night heat and you get the win by DQ when X-Pac interferes and cut some of your hair off. We're back on the road, August 12th on Cedar Rapids in front of 5,400 fans, August 13th in Moline. 9,800 fans were in Chicago at the Rosemont horizon, 16,780 fans back in St. Louis for over 18,000 fans. Then we hit Columbia, Missouri for 8,300 fans. Each one of these shows you're working with X-Pac each one of these shows you're in a losing effort. What are the house show payoffs like in this era? The best you've ever enjoyed for sure. Think about that. Moline, Illinois, 10,000 people. That's the quads. I mean, that's. St. Louis, 17, 18,000. I, I don't want to be repetitive, but Columbia, Missouri, the business is red hot two yeah. or three thousand a night. I mean, good payoffs. Let's run through what a card looked like here in Chicago. It was Farouk over Brian Christopher, Tiger Ali Singh <laughs> over Dustin Runnels, Val Venus over Mark Miro, Sable over Jackie in an arm wrestling contest, X-Pac over you, Ken Shamrock over Owen Hart, Vader over Mark Henry, Triple H over the rock by DQ. And that leads right into road dog and Billy Gunn over rock and D uh, and then we get DOA versus LOD. And then in the main event, Austin in a three-way over Kane and the undertaker, the whole thing, there's not one match that happened that didn't involve a hall of famer. I mean, it's pretty crazy when you think about it. Wow. I mean, Farouk's in the hall of fame. Dustin's not yet, but we know he will be. Uh, Val Venus and Mark Miro, Sable and Jackie, Jackie's in for sure. Uh, Xbox in a bunch of times. You're in Shamrock will be in when he quits suing WWE. Owen Hart should be in. Everybody knows it. Uh, Vader should be in probably will be soon. Mark Henry is triple H is in and will be many more times. Rock gets to decide when he goes in road dog and Billy Gunn are in Austin's in Kane is going to be, if he's not already obviously undertaker. So it's just. Golly, dude, what a, what a mm. crew. It's no wonder that you're selling out everywhere. Wow. Put it in that context, you know, that run, um, you just, the, the houses and just, you know, oh, where, 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 you, where, what's the loop coming up and, and that's the other thing you, it's really, and I know there are, uh, with our podcast partner, uh, EB, Eric Bischoff, the NWO shirts, but the. The massive amount of Austin 316 shirts and then a new design, it felt like, you know, every other other week or every couple of weeks and God rest his soul, Jimmy Miranda and, and merch, just the amount of Austin merchandise was unfathomable. I mean, when you pull up to these buildings or when you walk out and you just sort of see the sea of, it was a crazy rock star you know, a lot of guys live like rock star. You know, it was a crazy, crazy time in and out of the ring, but the amount of merch and the pay-per-view buys and television ratings and, 
And again, pre-social media. So it, it's that uh, we touched on it a couple of weeks ago. Vanilla Ice crystallized it. But, you know, it's that last era that the television stars, not not the digital, not the YouTubers and, and, and all that goes with that. It was that red hot cable industry uh, pumping out, you know, friends. Look at that reunion, how well it does and the different TV shows of the 90s. But the, the attitude era uh, of, of professional wrestling, man. Uh, it's pretty cool. You just said all the Hall of Famers, but it, it was uh, it was a special time. Lots of money to be made. Um, just a, a so unique in, in in that. It's probably the time of your life in wrestling. But what's funny about those moments is we often don't recognize it when it's happening, no, right? Not at all. I mean, we talked about Woodstock '99, and I mean, we'll, we'll get into ins and outs of that. But I mean, it was. You talk about rinse and repeat in those days, you know, raw SmackDown, you know, whenever that came on board, but it's, uh, then live events and come home and wash clothes and go out in the lake for afternoon and get back in the plane and fly back out and go to the gym, go to Denny's, <laughs> go to the hotel, go to this favorite establishment. What was your go-to, uh, order at Denny's back then? Oh, it's it wouldn't no matter what steak and eggs, medium rare, five eggs, egg whites, scrambled hard, one over easy, hash browns, no, no unsweet tea, but even a coffee drinker in those days. Just a week later, Nitro is going to run the United Center in Chicago, August 24th. We would see the, uh, debut of the warrior announced. It's so crazy to think where the business is here. The WWF's average attendance for house shows is 11,311 fans a year prior. The average was 5,359. So we're up 111% in one year. The average gate is $210,779. That includes house shows. That's up 140.7%. Back in 97, the average gate was only 87,590 bucks. It's crazy. And this went from five and change to 11 and change 5,300 fans to 11,300 fans average. That's crazy, dude. Yeah. We've, we've, we've doubled it, which is crazy when you think about that. And, and then more than doubled the, uh, the actual dollars. Yeah. That's Uh, crazy. Are you talking to your dad at all about what the business looks like? I mean, he sees his business. It's still limping along there in Memphis, but. It feels by 98. Okay. But he's still got his, his finger on the pulse of what's happening. I'm sure. Yeah. Wasn't he WCW during this time? You know what? You're right. He may have been a consultant here. I, I think in that area, I just remember the conversations or we'll say during that, that area was that, um, so to, again, context is King brother, Eric, when I broke in in 86, I miss the glory years of Memphis. Cause those were 82 through 85. Yeah. You know, really 82 was the big year, right? Yeah. Yeah. 82, 83, 84 was pretty big too. Okay. Uh, but 82, 83, uh, were huge. And that's when, you know, spot shows, you know, high school gyms in Kentucky that could hold 2000 did 2,100 paid. Like, wait a minute. Hey, <laughs> little silly thing, but you're obviously a young buck at the time. What year did you graduate high school? 85. So you're in high school and you know, obviously your dad's done well your whole life, but did you notice a lifestyle change 
in those early 80 years when the business really exploded for him. I mean, your dad was one of the first millionaires in wrestling, but I'm just saying, did you notice like, oh shit, our, our way of living's leveled up a little bit here. Uh, my dad's always eccentric and, and, uh, but you know, he was always buying and selling land or car lots or this or that, but he broke ground on a house and I, I knew that wasn't a, uh, cookie cutter house, so to speak. I used to think that gum, you know, I didn't know the family finances by of course, any stroke. Of course. I just, I just didn't, but you know, um, and I'd live with my mom. Uh, up until, you know, mid eighties or early, you know, 83, 84 is when I officially moved out, but visiting, but he broke ground on a house, um, that was going to be four or was 14,000 square foot. I mean, that was not a subdivision house and he was living over on the water at Georgia Tammy's ex place, but you know, a nice lake home, but yeah, I, I knew like, okay, things are good. <laughs> One of my favorite shows to find in our research was August 23rd. Um, Jeff, we just went over how you guys are drawing these huge houses. And then out of nowhere, you're in the Scranton CYC in front of 3,877 fans, which means this is probably a sold show. Do you remember doing a lot of sold shows in this era of the WWF? It feels like that would have been a money loser. Well, Conrad, you're going to have to get under the learning tree right here. Let's do it. <laughs> do you know what CYC stands for? Uh, I thought it was like a community center. Catholic Youth Center. Okay. Yeah. That is old school WWWF. Say that right. Yeah. That's, that is the, I don't say the original territory, but that building had been run for years. Um, that was the building. Um, a good relationship they had rented often for just through the years. And so, um, in that area, I'm trying to think who would the promoter have been, not just in Scranton, but in that area, they gave them a date. Um, but here's the, <laughs> the real unique side of this. I said it up front Catholic, which obviously religious. Uh, how, so, how are you doing that with the undertaker sacrificing people and Sable's boobs out and don't piss yes. me off and suck this wiener and all that. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you didn't have to go that deep into it. Damn, Connie. Uh, <laughs> well, it's your show. I mean, you're the one who profited off of that, not me. No, but it was um, a, a a a discussion. Oh my goodness, we're going back to the Catholic Youth Center, and this product's a little different, and be on our P's and Q's. And man, I know somebody online is going to come up, but I think there was an issue either coming out of this or going into it. Something was said. Um, you don't I say. I think years prior to this, I think I don't want to name the talent because I, I I'm not I won't do a good job of recalling it. But um, yeah, it was it was it was. I'll say this building was grandfathered in to the WWWF territory, and they got a date, uh, and it was a Scranton uh, because Wilkes Bar was uh, Stabler Arena. No, what is the venue called there? But uh, anyway, Scranton got the date, sold out, and uh, good payoff and. And I'm sure the routing, um, I, you know, I wasn't in the routing, but a lot of times when you have dates that uh, I don't know what came before after that, but we needed something within driving distance and, you know, go back to the well where we've sold tickets for 30 years, go there, but be careful. <laughs> I wasn't sure when I looked at what it have been the porn star that offended them or the pimp, but the pimp wasn't on this show. So 
it may have been the, the reborn Dustin Runnels that offended him because he was doing a reborn gimmick there for a bit. Either way. Uh, now we've got the uh, core state center, which is now the, uh, Wachovia center in Philadelphia. It's the go home edition of raw as we head into SummerSlam 14,727 fans there. This show is probably most remembered for the infamous brawl for all finals where Bart Gunn knocks out Bradshaw. But I think Xbox winds up pissing in your boots on this show. What do you remember about that? That, that this, and I, on the, uh, heads up, uh, for this episode, I could remember look, it wasn't any big, uh, grand, uh, but, but when I got word, that's what Sean was doing. It just sort of clicked all the boxes. Like that's really clever and creative. You may not have liked it, but I thought it fit DX. It's, it's, it's a way to, to continue the program. It's a story and what better way to piss off a cowboy than to pee in their boots. I mean, it just kind of checks that box. Uh, I thought it was a a, a clever way to to go into the go home. Urinate in someone's shoes. Was it, uh, was it shoot urine or working whiz? Oh, Lord have mercy. The whizinator was used. You don't know. (laughs) Uh, It was, it was. Not real. I think they did audio, man. You got a drop of that because that's how they had to shoot it. Obviously they couldn't shoot in and actually, but they had to imply all of this. So that leads to the new age outlaws taking on Southern justice. You come out in your socks, bitching about X-Pac. It somehow leads to you shaving the head of a cameraman. I mean, you want to talk about the visual for the go home show. This checks all the boxes. Was the cameraman a, uh, a local fellow who decided to take the payday gosh i didn't do my homework i don't know i don't know later on x-pac and gang grill go 90 seconds before you come out and bust x-pac in the head with a guitar um at this point where were you getting your guitars guitars are us i was in the wwf props department richie uh, Richie Posner, and he would set up a balsa wood type setup. I hate to say a real, a wooden guitar, a real wooden guitar and, uh, make it, make his magic work. But no, they were store-bought guitars. How would he do it with a razor blade and score the back? Yeah, I think, you know, razor blade doesn't exactly cut through, but, uh, and I don't say a chisel cause that'll bust it open, but certain tools, uh, it dep- and it also, what's crazy is the guitar, it really depends on how they're made back at, you get one that goes back way back. Not a lot of glues involved as the years progressed made overseas. They were a lot more pressed. So there was a lot more labor that was put into it, but, uh, Richie did his magic and was very good at it. All right, let's run a timeout right now, Jeff, to talk about what's becoming a long-term sponsor for us. And if you've had your car for a long term, you probably know that eventually you're going to need to make a run down to the corner store, that parts store and pick up something that your car needs. But here's what I learned, Jeff. Did you know those stores have two different price tiers? Of course I do, Conrad. Do you think I, I have a horse and buggy up here at home? Well, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I didn't know if you're a professional mechanic. You get the deal of a lifetime. Whereas me or you, these old do it yourselfers, we pay up to twice as much for the same parts. These stores are actually charging you based on what they can get away with, like a freaking airline, but that's never the case at rockauto.com. Just like your business and mine, rockauto.com is a family business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for like 20 years. So do me a favor, go to rockauto.com, search for all the auto and body parts you could ever need from hundreds of manufacturers. 
And they have everything, Jeff, from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps and motor oil. Hell, you can even get new carpet. But this isn't just for, for your classic daily car. It's for your daily driver, too. You get everything you need in a few easy clicks, and it's delivered directly to your door. And by the way, the rockauto.com catalog is so easy to navigate. Even my dad can do it when he's looking up parts for his old school Corvette. You quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, and you choose the brands, the specs, and the prices that you prefer. But best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. And the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. I spend up to twice as much for the same parts. It's an amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write my world in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. That's rockauto.com, and please write my world in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Jeff, let's get back to the show. Let's do it. You have a rare six-day streak where there's no shows from SummerSlam uh, between this raw and SummerSlam at Madison square garden. I realize I'm asking a silly question. I know most of the time you would want to come on home and enjoy the break, but this is a major show and you're going to be having this major show in the number one media outlet in the world. Would WWE just stick you in New York and schedule you for a bunch of media that week? Or did you get to go home and float around? No, I mean, I think we went home for a day, day or two, but if I remember correctly, um, you know, coming off this whole summer, lots of shows overseas and all that. And it wasn't really like, oh man, we're getting all these shows because the media in New York shows on Sunday. Um, I, I'm pretty sure appearances and corporate stuff. Again, things were really amping up as far as, I don't want to call it WrestleMania access type stuff, but there were corporate appearances in those days, some guys, including myself, were trying to shoehorn in a third-party appearance here and there, an autograph session. So there was a lot going on. Like you said, the tri-state area, um, they, they, again, and the office is right up the road. Um, I think some ID shoots were going on. It's not like we had five days, six days home. We had a couple of days home and went back to work. Let's, uh, let's jump into the show. Um, some, some stuff happens before the show. Of course, this is Sunday night heat era. So we've got like the pre-show, the last minute push to get those buys you and Southern justice come out and you attack our beloved Howard Finkel and you shave off most of his hair and mustache. Is this just Vince McMahon loving to have a little fun with his old pal Fink? If I, I love Howard and just, uh, gosh, the, the last mania uh, up in New York. Um, what was that? 19. When I saw Howard and he came in and you know, his health was going down and got to have a big hug. We reminisced about this. Um, and if my memory serves correctly, it was really Howard's idea at that time. He was way past balding on top. <laughs> you know, he, he definitely male pattern baldness had set long in years before and, and he was up for it and he wanted to go bald. This is what, he, he didn't grow it back after this. Um, and so it looked and again, talking about the, you know, the live event business being so good, but, um, you know, MTV in the nineties, I will just say Conrad, would you, is it safe to say the stature of MTV and the profile was much higher in the nineties than it is today? Absolutely. No doubt. So when you have a hour show as an infomercial, leading into your pay-per-view that's 
that's big exposure. Again, pre-digital days, pre-social media days. And so what a way to create awareness for this big event at the garden. Uh, and we got to do an angle uh, with, with Finkel and, and just all, all, everything that went with it. So getting to shave old Howie's hair and a lot of heat. Now, again, think about who we did it to and where we did it. New York Howard- City, Madison Square Garden, Howard Finkel, the voice of wrestling in this building. Yes. I mean, that's major, major. And I was very appreciative of Howard wanting to do it and volunteering and getting engaged and look, Vince and Pat and everybody loves seeing this. Of course it's Finkel. (laughs) It's Fink. Do you remember who your agent was for this match? Oh, I don't, man. I wish I do, but I, I don't. X-Pac is going to, uh, here's the write-up from the observer X-Pac pin Jeff Jarrett in a hair versus hair match in 11 minutes and 11 seconds. Howard Finkel with a freshly shaved head and mustache came out wearing a DX shirt and a bow tie to second X-Pac Finkel looked like a cross between Vader's little brother and captain kangaroo. I don't know how to nicely put this other than when the cool group has Finkel as a member or when Finkel starts saying, suck it. Then how cool or anti-authority can saying suck it truly be? So, uh, Meltzer's a little critical, but I thought, especially for this New York crowd, this was right on time. And, uh, based on what I know about Finkel's legendary adult film collection, him saying suck it is probably not all that out of context for him. Don't smart. Don't, don't ruin the myth. I don't want to know about that. I've never heard that. Oh, Bruce Pritchard spilled the beans years I, I, ago. I, I, no way. You know, he named WrestleMania too. Did you know that? I do know that. And he even pitched uh, a name for SmackDown. Did you hear what that was? WrestleTown. There can't all be winners. Okay. Meltzer, <laughs> Meltzer would say. You know, we're talking about Finkel. And for those that don't know, you know, me and Howard um, had a unique relationship, a great relationship day one. Because Howard would be, obviously, he's the the voice of the WWF for all those years. I think he was Vince's very first employee. Yep. Like, like so, I mean, just legendary. But he was the one who kept the, 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 the dibs on Memphis. He would watch that tape every week. And, and he was the guy who um, watched wrestling content outside of what was being produced in-house. And so Finkel knew the talent. He knew, you know, my history of coming up in 86 and 87 and, hey, whatever happened to this guy or that guy or have you talked to him or that. So Howard's historian hat was always really cool to me. So, uh, and him, like you said, uh, his stature uh, with, with the boss, with, with Vince and, and him coming out and being a part of DX. And it's not like he was going to be a, 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 a you know, a, a full-time member. It was, it just made our match that much bigger and that much grander and, and that much more special to me personally as well. Let's keep going on the match, uh, recap here for Meltzer. These two work really well together. Fast, well-timed spots, particularly X-Pac was right on the money with his kicks and a great swinging DDT. They did some near falls back and forth. They did a near fall with Finkel distracting Jarrett and Finkel or Jarrett went after Finkel and decked him. X-Pac did his move, which is kind of like a face buster for a near fall. Let's take a timeout right there. Do you go through this with Fink beforehand or is he comfortable taking the bump here? 
He, he's comfortable enough. And it wasn't any, some elaborate Pat Patterson. Yeah. Bump. It, it, Fink had been around long enough. He knew what to do in this era specifically, you know, house shows a lot of times were used to tighten up what the match could look like on a big show like this. Where, do you remember, were you by and large working your house show match here with the volume turned up, put it all together. So, you know, me and Sean, just cause we work well together one night, we'd try this another night try that. And then this night we, we put all together the swinging DDT and those kicks, as you were hearing about Dave on, on his kicks or so our timing, God almighty. It was, it was our, our, I guess our speed, uh, the timing just was really good. We put, we just put it all together and knew that all right, there's going to be a finish that they're going to lay out and we'll, we'll weave it in. But yeah. Uh, so we just put it all together from our live events, but this is one of those practice makes perfect type situations, right? Where you get to hone it and drill it down and get it hitting on all cylinders on the house shows. Yes, for sure. So, uh, we haven't talked about this before, but did you ever get an errant kick from, uh, Waltman? Did he ever have one get away from him and, uh, several get away and it's the one in the turnbuckle because coming off the ropes, um, as Scott and Kevin used to say, dude, you hit the mat before I swung, <laughs> but no, you, you can time that, but in the turnbuckle, you can't go anywhere. And sometimes Sean would, um, let's just say, uh, right on the mark and then some, but yeah. But, but his were so fast. You don't mind it. Where's the worst place to get kicked in the eye, in the nose or the mouth throat. Oh, I, I personally hated a, a throat kick. Yeah. Like get my bell rung. Oh, that hurt a little bit back of the head, even the eye chin, chin hurts. Throat is a, that'll bend you over on a scale of, uh, I guess snook thing off the cage being the worst, where would an X-Pac kick wind up on the list? Oh, no, he's a, I don't know, maybe a five. He, okay. he got that. Not bad. So Southern justice come out. Mark Canterbury tries to hit X-Pac with the guitar. He misses X-Pac gets the guitar, breaks it over Jarrett's head for the pin. And after the match, the outlaws run out to chase Southern justice away and held down Jarrett. The electric shears broke down, which was obviously a work. Since Jarrett simply wound up with a shorter haircut rather than being totally shaved in the back. And they had no intention from the start in living up to the stipulation. Although that has become the Titan MO. They used scissors to cut his hair and didn't get all that much hair off him. Although they did get enough to have some of it land on Finkel and Sergeant Slaughter's head for comedy three stars. So chat me up about these shears breaking down. And it's obviously a work. The whole design and the, I, I guess you could say the orders that were instructed were, and look, it's a pay-per-view with a lot more to come that they wanted us to me to fight it and, and, you know, kick, kick and haul, but they wanted enough hair to be cut off, not sheared off to throw up in the air and do the ha ha with, with, with whoever, but certainly give the indication that a lot of my long hair that I was getting a haircut but actually to have the shears and sit down and go through it. And my hair would be soaking wet and trying to shear off soaking wet hair. Look, I did it in Mexico a few years ago, which was on my bucket list. So, uh, you know, getting my head shaved in Madison Square garden. And then later at a major event in Mexico were sort of bucket list items. But, um, we did what was asked of as, as it relates, 
I don't think there was ever any of this grand plan that, Hey, uh, the people in the garden said, Oh, I want my money back. I didn't see Jeff actually go bald. It was, we ran the play that was specifically designed, cut off enough hair to throw it up in the air and make it be entertaining. You're going to show up with a short hair the next night on raw. In hindsight, do you wish that that night you guys would have had some different theme music? Interesting. What was my theme music? No, I'm just saying, you know, when, when you get the haircut, it just feels like to me, could have hit them with some of this, let you strut ass around there. What is that? Wait, you're going to rip off his gimmick and you don't know his music. This is the barber's theme, baby. <laughs> no. I couldn't hear it on my feet, so I'm just, right. I'm just I could hear bits and pieces of it. I got it though. Well, well, I'm sorry it was cutting out like your hair was. Do what now? It was cutting out like your hair was. So listen, you enjoy working with Sean. You're getting a haircut in the biggest arena in the world, Madison Square Garden. Howard Finkel's involved. You come back through the curtain. You happy with it? Sean happy with it? Is Vince happy with it? Yes. Uh but we got thumbs up across the board. You know, again. They, they, they paid to see, uh, stone cold. And so everything else on the card was support and we gave them a hair match. We gave them great action. We gave them the story Finkel, you know, literally you got to remember to put it in context. He announced on Sunday night heat and then went backstage and went into hair and makeup and got all cleaned up and, and then played the role as a part of it. So it was a, a transition so the presentation, it was across the board and, you know, getting to do that with your buddy, <laughs> Sean, uh, kid, uh, that was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, and, and I was, I'll, you know, look SummerSlam and to get that spot and knew the payoff was going to be really good coming and everything that goes with that, but also knew it was like, all right, I'm going in a new direction for with my character. I was, I was definitely very excited. I'd never had facial hair. Not that that's a bit huge deal, but I was getting to go into a completely new look, short tights, all of that. Let me just say too, it's easy to see with the benefit of hindsight, why Steve Austin hated your fucking guts. Oh, here we go. Thank you. It's a little hard left. You're taking it. Well, I'm just saying he sees you rip off the honky tonk man's gimmick. He sees you <laughs> rip off Bob Vila's gimmick. He sees you rip off Brutus, the fucking barber beefcakes gimmick. And now you've grown facial hair. You're saying, don't piss me off. And you're like, I'm going to get my head shaved bald. And I can only imagine that he comes through the back. Here's that creative gets a little rumble and says, ah, and you just got a shorter haircut instead of bald. Cause if you went, nobody goes full Austin, right? You can't go facial hair, bald head. Don't piss me off. You got the whole paddle today, don't you? Stir it up. <laughs> this is probably your uh, top-ranked pay-per-view match in 98. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, you guys had a great match here. The in-ring product, I was very proud of that. Uh, the pivot in my character, I was super excited about. Obviously, being in the garden. And look, I, don't, I didn't look at it then, and I certainly don't look at it now. Yes, Howard Finkel is Howard Finkel. But he's Howard Finkel. Right. The 
And, and, you know, how, as red hot as the business was, Howard came from the WWWF days. I mean, you know, it's big, really big. So, and DX, what you just said, they were just right under stone cold. Uh, it was a big deal, high profile match. And, and, and look, we've already touched on it where I had been the last, you know, I'll say year, uh, from the NWA and just, just the, the personal life struggles going on. It was a, you know, it was a grind. Uh, I'll say that. And so to sort of get back, I'll just say headed in the right direction. I'll say that to get back and head into the right direction. I was, uh, I was very excited. Let's talk about, um, you know, th- there's this famous thing in wrestling that guys say where it's like, uh, and then where do we go from there? And then what? So if you do a big angle, you do a big, uh, match like this, a big stipulation, you're getting your head shaved. A lot of guys have the follow-up. Where do we go from there? Did you ask that before you go into this match? Did you know, Hey, we're going to have DX working with me in Southern justice, because I just want to add context to what we're talking about. You're the third match at SummerSlam. But the next month, which is in your house, I think it's breakdown. Um, it's Degeneration X, which is Billy Gunn, Road Dog, and X Pac in a six man tag against you and Southern Justice. And that's right before the main event with Stone Cold Kane and The Undertaker. So you go from working the third match on the card to wait. Now we're bringing in all of DX against us and we're working second from the top. I'm in. Well, and here's the thing too, is I knew by the, again, the grind and I just sort of laid it out. I knew we were headed into, I think also my relationship with Vince, I knew Vince believed in me because he had those conversations, but also knew that he, and he told me, Jeff, we just got to find something that's work that will, that's work, you know, that, that kind of conversation. So the NWA and the, um, and this is Vince's with not me, but with a lot of folks, uh, just sort of his, okay, I, I, we just got to craft this. So the NWA, the Tennessee Lee stuff and all of that, I knew we were shooting the vignettes of the don't piss me off. I was going to go up to the office and David Zahadi, obviously, uh, who had long relationship with him, he was going to be producing the vignettes and just sort of the, the persona and the character was going to be evolving. Um, I, I, here's a little Side note, the following night, Conrad, uh, I don't know where Raw was at, but I can remember uh, being in the hallway. And, you know, when you get to TV, you have like, you know, backstage, but there's sort of a, a main hallway where coming and going and catering and Vince's office and dressing rooms and hair and makeup and promos and all the different side meetings. But you usually have sort of a main thorough way where talents back and forth, back and forth. And I'm standing over on the wall and I can't remember who I was talking to, but Pat Patterson literally, you know, it's one of those deals. I'm in a long winded conversation. Imagine that uh, with, with whoever, but Pat passed me once, passed me twice, passed me like three times. And he stopped and turned around and looked at me and he goes, Holy F double J. I didn't even recognize you. And that's when, because by that time I'd got the flat top and, you know, I was in short tights and a towel over my shoulder and the, 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 the look had been transformed. And then Pat gave me a big pep talk, but also encouragement. And also like, yes, 
Now this is a different look. It's a different deal. He, he was, he was energized by it. And knowing that I was going to shoot the vignettes, I was, yeah, it goes without saying I was looking toward. And if you think about it, that was the beginning of a look that I carried for a long time. Um, but that was the shift. That was the the pivot, uh, of, of, of the, you know, double J died, the mullet died and, and, and you know, uh, a new persona, uh, was born. Could you pull off the, uh, flat top daddy today? Could I pull it off? Yeah. What do you mean? Pull it off? Well, I'm just saying like, are you, are you thinning? I'm like sting couldn't pull off surfer sting hair anymore. Easy. I just did for, yeah. Right before I grew it back out this time. Um, I don't know yeah. when I, when I look at you, it looks like you haven't had a haircut since like Oh three. I can't tell. So I'm just not sure. Thanks Conrad. You're nice welcome. Part. You're welcome. <laughs> hey, uh, serious business. This has got to be a real highlight for you. As far as your all time, most memorable matches, it's a hair match in Madison square garden at the height of the business. Is this a top 10 moment for you? Top 10 match. Definitely w- without question. Um, Goes without saying, Sean's my buddy, and you know, as as many years as we'd worked together. So, and you just crystallize everything. SummerSlam, you know, it's one of the big four. Uh, a hair match, uh, Finkel, uh, business is red hot. Um, personally, uh, in my life, the the trials and tribulations that I'd been going through. You know, we've already touched on it. The walking out it in your house. Um, that hiccup that I came back, went to the WCW, was there one year. I loved it the one year, but I just knew it was different. But got to do the thing with the horseman, which I really liked, but knew that, okay, I, I want to get back to Vince. And got there at night one, promo that didn't exactly get off the ground and sort of went into Never Never Land um, in so many ways. Got, you know, here's the, another thing is, you got to remember, my pay was being discussed on getting cut yes. during the time. So, so that conversation was going on. So I'm like, okay, it's been a rough year, but guess what? I got my spot on SummerSlam. We did a hair match. We're, we're, you know, re-energizing the persona. Um, so I had worked my ass off and felt good about where we were going, but um, it was, I'll say this very rewarding uh, to, 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 get to be a part uh, of, of SummerSlam 98 in a hair match and where it was going to take my career was, uh, you know, this is probably a silly question, but I got to ask, was Jill there? Did you ever bring Jill to any of your big moments or matches? Nope. She was, and I don't say no interest, but really she had no interest. It was got to remember. Um, and you know what Conrad is going to tell you this, this is ironic, but it's not ironic. You and Megan yep. had your first date, same day. You had your first podcast with Bruce, right? That's right. Okay. I had my first date with Jill the first week that I broke into the business. Wow. Uh, and so, but she never had any interest. Never. It was a job and I went off to work. So when you're getting a haircut, does she order the pay-per-view and watch at home? I have no recall of that whatsoever. I think so. Don't know <laughs> on a, on a big show like this, a big God, moment years of age. Do you, do you hear from your dad or your brother, or is this just old hat at this point? Old hat. Got it. As far as family, as far as family. 
Uh, Lewis Mendoza wants to know, have you ever taken guitar lessons to try and uh, come fully together with your gimmick? It is on my bucket list. I can play a few chords, but like true, um, there's two things I'm, I'm working on my Spanish to, to literally learn the language, not, not just say a few phrases here and there, but, I'm, but, but learning Spanish the right way and playing the guitar the right way are on my bucket list. And I'm going to work toward that. But I, it is something that, um, other than play a couple of chords, um, it, it's on the to-do list. Thanks for asking. <laughs> are you going to try to learn, uh, any other, uh, languages like, you know, I don't know, Hindi or Mandarin or something like that. I don't know. I'm going to take it one language at a time. Uh, ben wants to know, uh, many peers have said Sean Waltman was used as the measuring stick for new wrestlers to come in and show what they can do. Are there any other performers who you can think of who were as good in ring as Waltman at getting the most out of talent? Who else was in that vein? Sort of Sean Waltman measuring stick style. And you, um, I, I guess I'm going to have to go, I, I'm going to put my brain into gear that, uh, Jerry Lynn, I, I have to go to TNA days and, yeah, and Jerry Lynn I, was the man. I agree. Jerry Lynn, very Jerry. I could go up to Jerry and say, Hey Jerry, how was it? And he'd lay it out to another guy, Chris Daniels. Okay. I, 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 you know, because they could guide things and you could, both of them would give you the straight up answer. This guy's terrible, Jeff. Oh no, he's pretty good. Oh, you know that, but, but Jerry, Chris, I'm trying to think who else. Um, I really, it's, it's all over me to ask who did they bury, but I won't. Cause I know you don't want to bury them for burying somebody else. So, but who did they put over? Do you remember you asking Jerry Lynn, like, Hey, how about that guy? And he says something really, really positive. Um, I, well. I can't tell you know what I mean? Look, I'd have to get out some sheets and look at, I can't tell I tell you how many times that Jerry knew the deal. You're in a four way or a six way with, 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 with the, you gotta be the QB of this exhibition. We used to call them car crashes or whatever it may be, because it was, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh my God, especially the old timers. Why are you doing that? I said, because that's what they do. Yeah. And nobody else on the card can do that. And I want them to do that. And guess what? You don't even realize it, but Jerry Lynn's in that match or Chris Daniels in that match. And they're going to be the glue. And by the time they get to their false finishes, there is going to be a story because they're going to, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I can't tell you how many times Jerry and or Chris Trying to think who else, uh, I'd have to go back in the nineties. I don't know if you're asking that, but, um, no, those are two good names. Yeah. Yeah. The, those that, that, um, measuring stick. That's funny how you said that about kid. I've never looked at Sean as the measuring stick because but, Sean, Sean, he can have a match with anybody. Well, that was the narrative that when a new guy would come into the promotion, uh, McMahon would put him in a match with Waltman. And when they come back through the curtain, he would sort of give Sean a look like, well, how was you. he? And yeah. supposedly Sean would sometimes say he's ready or he's close. Or he would say he ain't got it. Yeah. I got you. And if he said he ain't got it slowly, but surely that person moved their way down the card and out the door and they were no more. I got you. And there are some <clears throat> pretty famous stories out there about names that I won't mention. Cause it'll just bring undue heat today. But if you've seen those interviews, you know, who we're talking about some of those names and when we hang up, you need to tell me who Jerry Chris shit on. Cause that would be okay. fun. 
Uh, Matt wants to know with the Jeff Jarrett television character starting to get tweaked. Did Jeff already have his short trunks ring gear in mind? Uh, basically what I'm asking is, did you already have the new gear and you were looking for a way to debut it? Yes. Uh, well, I mean, not looking for a way, a plan was put in place. I'm going short tights, um, guitar bash on me, but just the whole persona look makeover, if you will. I was the, it was all the, the silver. I wanted to go with silver and black and, you know, throw in a red there. And I think early I had some thoughts of the, the silver and black and I could rotate a red out, a blue out, a purple out. And I did, but I did that later, but what went in, in WWF, it, it's like, I'd right, stick with the red seamstress just said, we're going to stick with the red. So when you're, you know, again, I'm not a wrestler, so I'm asking a question. What are the pros and cons of long tights versus short tights from your perspective? Oh, it's all, I mean, it's, it is so subjective, um, you know, and, and I think you have to step back and look at the entire roster and say, okay, you, you don't need to, you know, you, 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 if you look cookie cutter, you are going to be cookie cutter. So very, you know, make it different, give it a little different look. Um, you know, some guys just don't look good in short tights, whether it's small calves, small quads, uh, and the, you know, there, there are those body types that do that. Um, but, but even you didn't wear nut huggers like Austin did or rock did you had like bicycle shorts or whatever. I, yes. I like that look. Um, I just, I always, is it less hot than long tights? I know that seems silly, but it sure. feels, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, again, silly question, but we're just talking. Does that mean you also have to start shaving your legs? And was that weird? I never shave legs. I trimmed use trimmers. If we're getting into the manscape, Hey manscape, if you're listening, you are missing a great opportunity yeah. for a drive here. But, uh, anyhow, um, no, never, 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 never shaved trimmed. It's a fascinating business. Next week, we're going to be talking about SummerSlam 1999. Uh, and on that show, it's, uh, well, it's an interesting show. We're going to open the show with Jeff Jarrett and D'Lo Brown. For the Intercontinental Championship and the European Championship, big moment in Jeff's career. The main event was a triple threat with Jesse Ventura as the special guest referee. We had Mankind, Stone Cold, and Triple H. So we'll add some context to all things summer of 99, which is a great follow-up effort from here as we discussed all things summer of 1998. We did get a question directly in my DMs, and I've gotten this a lot. Oh, boy. Uh, well, not exactly this question, but you can tell the, the, the direction he's going. He says, this is from Trevor in your new wrestling promotion. You're starting with Jeff Jarrett, who will be the champ. And I replied, well, Jeff, duh, that's why we're doing it to make him champion again, a lot over and over. <laughs> uh, and of course he thanks me for that, but Jeff, I don't know that you've seen, but given the fact that. I think WWE has effectively released the entire NXT roster. <laughs> the internet is a buzz that you're definitely starting a new promotion. And I guess I'm involved somehow of course. and, uh, you're going to, you're going to recruit all these talent and, and there's going to be some sort of global force gimmick going again. And <laughs> here we go. And, uh, I even saw one that was kind of funny the other day that said, uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley has officially signed with global force, which made me laugh. It's a crazy time to be in the wrestling business right now, but I'm sure you've seen this groundswell of, uh, oh, it's like, as soon as people realized that you had a 
interesting relationship with WWE these days. They just immediately assume, oh, good old double J's putting his promoter hat on again. Ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. I, mean, I, I thought you're, are you asking me a question? I just wanted you to give commentary on all the rumor and innuendo. I'm not saying you have to address whether you are or aren't, but I'm you. getting inundated with social media attention by it. And it's fascinating. It is it, hilarious. It is. So you being the co-promoter. Sure. Cause we're definitely doing this. That's been well-established without question. I'm just thinking a three man booth. I'll be, uh, so Eric, Eric's lead played by play, right? Well, I mean, Eric's done it before, so we could yeah. definitely slide Eric in there. Yeah. I, and I we so. could make Kurt angle, the commissioner. Y'all go way back. Yeah. You and him. Say, yeah. Uh, Arn and, and, uh, Tony, they're already taken. So they're, they're taken. And so's JR. Yeah. I can't yeah. imagine Bruce fitting us in, but me, no. you, Eric and angle, man, we, we we're halfway there. <laughs> but all kidding aside, it is fascinating to me. And look, you know, everybody knows I can't share everything on this podcast. It doesn't make business sense, but me and oh, you have, oh. it does it, but, but here's, what's really cool about the industry. So let's go back. If we want to do a little history lesson, but if you look at the seventies and early eighties that it was on local television, right? Yeah. Then we transitioned into, we'll call it the cable television era that Vince went national and there became two big promotions. Correct. No argument. Okay. Then he bought his competition and then, um, little old TNA started and followed in that cable television model of getting cable television. And, uh, we had a good run through about 2009, 2010, but look, I was a part of, you know, good, bad, and ugly, but anyway, that company's still around, but you know, fast forward up to AEW, and they're in, basically in the cable television model. Sure. That, that is super successful. It's, it's really interesting to watch the evolution because now we're living in the world of streaming yeah. and WA, uh, there's, there's other promotions, but new Japan and AAA and all the promotions on the world. But as we see the world develop, I've never seen the business hotter from a, uh, I'll call it from an independent. And I'm not just talking about, look, our, our, our friends at game changer wrestling and Matt Cardona is the face of game changer wrestling. And I'm going to get shot tomorrow. No, 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 no. He's the face of the GCW universe. Get it right, Jeff. I bad. I love that. That is so good. But anyway, ju just how the business uh, continues to grow, WWE super profitable. Lots of things, but but the licensees, video games, and independent um, licensees, toys, action figures. It's all really really cool. I think it is. You know, Conrad, I won't reveal anything, but you know the projects that you have going on. It's really fascinating to see where the industry's heading. Um, our friends over at fight TV have never been more successful than they are today, uh, being acquired by Triller and, and all of the things that go with that. So the, the world of streaming meets professional wrestling 2022, 2022, 2022 is, I don't, I don't see the business going in reversed at all. Matter so of fact, I think it's 
tamper down. So there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been confirmed global force wrestling. Here we come. <laughs> if we've no. learned anything today no. here today, it's that no. Jeff Jarrett is, uh, there you go. that is not true. Conrad. Don't start that. I'm talking about just the, the, uh, the no, business. We're just friends talking. Oh God. <laughs> it's just you. I mean, we, we, we started at E-Fed. Everybody knows we've signed Braun Strowman. Uh, I, I think, I think we got a bid in right now for, um, Adam Cole, Bray, he, uh, Bray. Oh, he's available. And everybody knows we're going to do that. I mean, crazy. Yeah. Wait till we get that fiend podcast started. People are going to be excited. <laughs> it's, it's just interesting to me to see that yeah. as these guys get released, I start seeing all these memes with you and it just makes me chuckle because in reality, you and I are just here telling OBS stories and trying to make yep. people laugh and keep them entertained. But because you're back out there in front of everybody and they're thinking, well, he's got to be laying in wait, waiting to make his big announcement. Here it comes. I want to sell some mortgages, pal. Hey, go to sableconrad.com right now. If you haven't already, by the way, I do want to mention that while you and I have been recording this, I got a couple of great five-star reviews. Here's one from our man, John in Raleigh, North Kakalaki. He gave us five stars over at conradreviews.com. He says, I've been a fan of Conrad's podcast for several years. Given how home values have skyrocketed in our area in the last 12 months, I wanted to see if a reca a refi could consolidate our credit card debt and whether or not that was worth exploring. Diane, Brandy, and Bill were an absolute pleasure to deal with. This was by far the smoothest mortgage process and fastest closing out of the four I've ever been through. Thanks to first family. We were able to refinance to a lower rate and pay off all of our credit card debt. This will save us north of $800 a month. I cannot stress enough how huge that is for my wife and I and our two young children. This is the fresh start we've needed. I can't thank the team enough and will recommend first family to all of my family and friends. Thanks. And thank you, man. We greatly appreciate you, John. And thanks for leaving that review. By the way, if you're on the fence, let me just recommend, just get a quick quote right now. at SaveWithConrad.com. We're licensed in more than 40 States. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket, but right now your house is probably worth more than ever. And that represents a real opportunity for you to change your life. We can't overstate that he saved over 800 bucks a month, but how much could you save? Find out right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And oh, did I mention no house payments for two months? Come get you some of that. Save with Conrad.com. Jeff, SummerSlam 99 coming up next week. This is going to be fun. No house payments for two months. Yeah. Come on. Who doesn't want that? Just, uh, yeah. SummerSlam 99. You know, as you were going through that, I, I'm, I'm going to go off track here, but I was going back to last week at Podcast Movement and you know, we, we, we're, we're talking about, and I was in some of those meetings and, and we're talking about just the podcast world and, and how we are just telling stories, buddy, wrestling stories, yeah. but how sponsor friendly we are and yeah. how we integrate social media. And you were talking about the memes just a second ago. And so our social media world crosses over to our podcast world talk crosses over to your day-to-day -day business world in, in, uh, you know, say with conrad.com. And, and then here we're going, we're going back into story, uh, storytelling mode. And we're going to go into SummerSlam 99. I walk in, was that dual champion? Then you became dual champion that very day. Yeah. I just SummerSlams were pretty good to you over the years. It's good. <laughs> yes. It sure has. I wonder what SummerSlam 95 would have looked like had you not, you know, quit. Oh, man. 
I have to believe me. I've thought about that one. You would have owned SummerSlam. You know, if Shawn Michaels was Mr. WrestleMania, Jeff Jarrett could have been Mr. SummerSlam. That would have been nice. That would, hey, and I did the on sale for Pittsburgh. So at least I got that check mark. <laughs> Instead, you became Mr. Bound for Glory. But that's a story for another day. There you go. Well, I'm just saying this is going to be fun, man. We're uh, we're tiptoeing through the tulips talking about the WWF, but we do have uh some more TNA topics coming your way. Let me go ahead and run through what we've got as a special bonus. Oh, and I guess we should give a peek behind the curtain. You and I recently talked about something that was kind of controversial and uh, got people talking online and a third party that third party reached out to us and said, Hey, I want to come on the show. So we're going to have a little guest run in over at adfreeshows.com. By the way, you get all of our shows early and ad free, but there's bonus content every single month. And, uh, August is going to be pretty special next week at SummerSlam 99 in two weeks. We'll talk about hard justice, 2006 and boy, the roster in 2006 was no joke for impact wrestling. On September 7th, we're going to get it started in style. We're talking about David Arquette at the end of the month. We'll talk about selling to Panda energy, uh, in October, we're going to talk about flirting with Hulk Hogan and trying to get him over to the TNA side of things way back when, when it didn't happen, we'll talk about the whole Austin 316 promo and how boy, Jeff's life changed a little bit at that moment, uh, bound for glory, 2006 and so much more. It's going to be a fun fall here as we're winding down summer falls looking love- pretty strong, dude. Yeah. Podcast movement to go back to that, uh, sitting to folks, we were out having coffee and, uh, I said it and I don't, this is no BS, the ad free bonus content and everything that goes with it with Paulie and the book club and the top guy and, and they are a family just, it is the, by far the best. If you're a fan and you're listening, you have no idea what you're missing, missing on a weekly, uh, weekly, monthly basis, whatever it is the engagement. Um, yeah. yeah I mean, just I this mean, week alone, as you and I are doing this, we had live Q and A's with Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone, and we got them scheduled with Kurt angle. And of course, Arn Anderson, and I'm doing a little live memorabilia thing next week. There's a lot of moving parts over there, tons of interactive events every single week. And of course, all this great bonus content, but most importantly, all the shows early and ad free. You can't beat it. Best value in wrestling. Go check it out adfreeshows.com. He is at real Jeff Jarrett. We are out of time. We'll see you next week right here on my world. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round together. It's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.